Welcome to Smith Interview. I'm Kevin Smith. Uh, this is uh, part two of a very uh, sobering discussion uh, that we began with Wayne Foundation founder Jamie Walton. Uh, last time we sat down and heard uh, all about the many uh, circles of hell that uh, was that Dante never had to visit. Not my Dante, the other Dante, the original Dante. Uh, you know, in literature, uh, cause this was real life, man. It's, and, and boy, Jamie's story is heartbreaking. If you haven't heard the first part, go listen to it. Now, uh, what happens from here on in though? Please tell us, Jamie. This is the good part. Yes. Okay. Now it starts getting like, uh, here comes the sun. And from what I understand, it's the much anticipated good part. Yeah. Yeah. There was all the reaction that I've read. Uh, there were a bunch of cats that were just like, uh, Come on, man, do part two fast because I, something good's got to happen to this poor chick. And a lot of good things do happen. Uh, let's start going into them. So where we last left off, you were uh, uh, st- uh, getting away from yes. Frank? Yes, I was. I was the, getting I, away from the man that was uh, prostituting me to other adult males when I was 14. But a nice guy. So not like Frank the killer pimp. No. Frank the friendly pimp. Frank, the um, damaged. mentally damaged <laughs> yeah. person, adult, that honestly, I don't think that he knew what he was doing was wrong. Really? No. So to him, he was just like, this isn't bad. Yeah, it was normal for him. It was okay. Weird. I uh, think I said in the last podcast that he had done the same thing with um, his first wife. I wasn't his wife, but his wife uh, that he was divorced from. That when she was, uh, he met her, he... Did the same thing to her. She was young. When she was, yeah, I believe she was 15, 16, 17 when they got married. She was very young when she got married. And I know she got, she, um, had a child very, very quickly. But I guess they got married like right after they met. He met her at a truck stop and she was prostituting herself. Like a truck, uh, a lot lizard. Lot lizard, yes. Um, and he kind of did the same kind of scenario with her. Uh-huh. So to me, it just seems that he's oblivious to the fact that the rest of society would find all of this reprehensible. Um, so a dude like that, you, you sound like you do have a, a, a an arena of forgiveness for people that it, to me, and I think most people listening are just like, Oh my God, get, if I could get my hands about their neck. Of course. And- of course. And I understand that perspective. There's, that's not to say I've never felt that way, but I have a way, not just in this case, but just as a person, I have a way of always trying to look at the other person's perspective and putting myself in their shoes, even in a conflict with somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's a situation where I I try not to be judgmental ever. So although he did hurt me, Frank did, um, he's not in my life anymore. Right. It never did. I mean, it did permanent psychological damage. But I'm still here. I'm still breathing, and I'm fine now. So, hating him, it would just hurt me. He's not going to know I hate him. He's not going to feel anything. It's not going to affect his life at all. So, hating him is just going to affect me. It's going to bring me down. It's going to make my life harder. So, I just have forgiveness, and that's. I think that's the best way to be in any situation in life. You're talking to a dude who, like, I'm still holding grudges against my wife from, like, five years ago over dopey things she said, like, you know, you, you call that a go. straight line? You got to like, let it go. Oh, from hell's heart I stab at thee. And here's a dude who you justified in, in truly hate, and you're just like, whatever. Yeah, I think that hate's a, a really needless emotion. Anger's a really needless emotion. Mm. All it does is cause the person problems. 
it doesn't cause the the person that you hate or the person you're angry with, it doesn't affect them at all. So why waste all that energy and bring yourself down? You've got other things you want to do in life. Go for it. Focus on that. Don't focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. And and normally when somebody says something like that, you're just like, yeah, yeah, that's a very nice thing to say. But you're literally listening to advice from somebody who did go through hell. Like that's that's sound advice right there or advice worth taking uh, because it comes from a – Oh God, a sadly educated perspective. How, let, let's stop talking about yeah. hate and, and, uh, and negative emotions. Let's go with love. Mm-hmm. This is where it all starts upticking. Uh, there's some love, man. There's, uh, start telling that story. Well, I, uh, I met a man named Chase when I was, I was 14 when I met him. I was still with Frank. It was the last like six months I was going up to Atlanta. And um, I met him because he had a computer store that was right behind my house. And at the time, this was about 99, 2000, somewhere in there. Uh, obviously, prices to get computer repair were outrageous, just like computers themselves were outrageously priced. So he, uh, when I would go over there, he would fix my computer, and he was very kind enough not to charge me the bench price, which I think at the time was $65 an hour with an hour minimum. He would do it off off the books right and he would just fix my computer for me really meant like 20 bucks and he would fix it for me and he was just a, he was a very kind person hmm. ne- never untoward with me at all just very professional and that's when i met him and it just so happened that within a few months of starting to use his business services he moved in next door to me unbeknownst to both of us he did not know where i lived and i have no idea where he lived what had happened was my whole the back wall of my house at the time was three sliding glass doors. I live in Florida, so sliding glass doors are very, very common. It's not usually common to see this kind of setup, though, where the entire back wall, there's no wall, it's just glass doors. It's a series of glass doors. Yes, yes. So I was sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden, I see Chase walk through my backyard. So, of course, like, that that's the fre- computer guy. Yes. So it freaked me out. Right. Of course. Like, what is this guy doing in my yard? Is right, he like right. looking and at my And you already fingers? have like a history with adult men and whatnot. So you're just like, oh. And man. this is the point in my psychological perspective growing over the years where I started to become kind of suspicious of men. I was still Really? Going, at this point, finally, you're just yeah. starting to be like, you know what? I don't think these dudes are looking out for my best interest ever. Yes. And that's – I was really getting to that point. I was still going to see Frank, but it was more out of I, – I think I pointed out before in the last pod, I was trying to get away from my mother. And that never changed. Regardless of whether somebody is sexually molesting me or not, I have always wanted to get away from her. So he was still at that point my best option. So naturally, yeah. I mean after all this time, you've got – there's there's definitely going to be a growing trust issue um, with men. So when you see this dude, do you get suspicious at all? Well, I just in that moment seeing him in my backyard, I freaked out. Right. But I've I've never been one to be fearful of anything. So I ran outside like, what are you doing in my backyard? Just confrontational rather yeah, yeah. rather than just being like, you know, oh, I'm going to call the police or somebody go deal with this. That'd be my approach. You'd be like, Ma, go deal with this. No, no. I you ran just outside like, the glass what the doors. fuck? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what are you really? doing here? Um, and he paused and was very, very, it seemed very struck that I was standing there and he says, oh, I'm so sorry. I live next door. I just moved in and I was just walking through your yard to get to work. 
because his computer store was behind my house. Right. And so like, oh. I was like, oh, oh, okay. And I happened to mention to him, I said, well, actually, I, I, I'm having a problem. Is it, Would you have a problem looking at it for me after work? And he says, oh, no, no, that'd be fine. And uh, he just left. And it was a few hours later, I brought my system over to him. He fixed it for me. We got chatty. And uh, then we walked back. And when I went, uh, he went to his house and I went to my house and it was like uh, serendipity. I went and sat at my computer uh-huh. and my computer faced, it was in my bedroom and uh-huh. it was facing my window. Right. I look out and there's like eight, nine feet between the houses. He's sitting in the same exact position mirrored to me and we're looking right at each other. I it's mean, kind of cute. Yeah. Well, I mean, not in the sense, I mean, you have to understand that he wasn't really interested in me obviously because i was very very young right so you're, you're 14 at this point yeah i was getting ready to turn 15 I was about 15. yeah it was about it was about a few months before my birthday how old is chase at this time he was 28 i okay. believe um and he he has a son he was with a woman that he the mother of his son uh he was in a relationship with her it was just this i just wanted to clarify that at this moment right was not the in love moment right 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 but, it, but like, as i said you guys were mirrored uh, you know in in right there it was yes. like just being thrown in our faces that we were both sitting right there looking right at each other so and any time after that that we were on our computers unless we shut the blinds which we didn't right <laughs> uh, i noticed that we never shut the blinds but we were always sitting there like and we'll wave to each other and stuff like that so um that started, and over time, uh, over a few months, we would just talk periodically because he was a neighbor. He was, you know, he was friendly, never untoward stormy, uh, which I liked because, as I said, I was getting very uh, suspicious of men. Well, so, with good reason. So this is one of the first men I've encountered that was not sexualizing me at all. One grabby, wasn't, no. wasn't leering, wasn't 100% gentleman. Right. Well, he was with somebody. He has a, he had a three year old son. Uh, his son had leukemia. So he had lots of things on his mind other than trying to bang the 14 year old neighbor. Right. Um, but I did talk to him about what I was doing. I was 14. So I didn't have, um, the adult mentality to know that that's something you shouldn't talk to people about. Uh-huh. Uh, so I would, I would tell him about what was happening and he never was judgmental towards me at all. He never said, oh, that's awful, anything like that. But what he would say is he would make points like, well, Jamie, if, if Frank really loved you, you do understand he would never ask you to do those things. So you're telling him that like you would travel and that you're in this relationship with this dude and where essentially the dude's like, go out and sleep with these people. Essentially, Well, he was taking me to go sleep with these people. And some, most of the time he was present while I was sleeping with these people, you know, like not involved, right? but there. So, so you tell Chase this and Chase is just like, um, in the nicest possible way, dipshit. Yes. What the fuck? Run. Well, I think his point was he he always tried to make me see me and not be because I had horrible self-esteem. And that's what allowed Frank to manipulate me the way he did is because I had no self-worth at all. So Chase's main goal whenever we would speak would be to try to raise me up like, Jamie, you're a beautiful girl. Jamie, you're so smart. You have so much potential. And but he never, ever would downplay what i was doing he never made judgment calls right but he always tried to make me come to the conclusion 
that I needed to stop. Right. And that's what ended up happening is he never said, you need to stop. But through a period of months, he kept telling me. He was the little bird, bird in my ear whispering, hey, you know, you would be really good to go to college if you were with Frank. I don't, I don't think you could go to college. The big thing Frank was trying to convince me to do was to get pregnant so that he could marry me and, uh, without my mother's consent. Because if you get pregnant, generally the state will allow you to marry the person. They, they encourage it. So, okay. Um, let's dial back real quick. Frank st- gets it in his head that if you get pregnant, then by him that yeah. he can just take me away from my mom without her being able to do anything about it. And most uh, quite honestly, she probably wouldn't. Have- but what about statutory rape and stuff like that? I think if you get pregnant at that point, and in a lot like, of states, especially southern states, I think I know I, I could be wrong, but uh, I think that at least at this point in in, in time, ninety nine two thousand, that if you got pregnant, you got pregnant, you know. And there's that very moral, I hate to say Christian mentality, but that's kind of what it is that you should get married, that you sh- that it's encouraged, you know. But again, isn't this dude? How old was this man? Wasn't he like pushing fifty? Yeah, he was like forty six. So 40, there's gotta be some sort of law about a 46 year old possibly impregnating a 14 year old and getting away with it so long as they get married. But you have to understand that at this point, there wasn't even (laughs) a federal human trafficking law yet. There wasn't. In 99, 2000? No. It got passed, I believe, in 2001. Um, so someone like Frank wasn't even really, I mean, he's committing the crime of, of pimping, of, of solicitation to somebody, but, um, he wasn't committing the crime of human trafficking. Right. It was because it wasn't a law. Explain the difference for, for those that don't know, for example. Right like, now, the federal guidelines say from the, there was a law passed about human trafficking. It mm-hmm. originally started as kind of an immigration issue because there was an assumption that the people being trafficked within our country were from other countries. And there are those that, it, but right now, I just read a statistic recently. I think they said 86% of the people trafficked in the United States are U.S. citizens. So, and again, you break it down. Traffic means what? Traffic means it's a lot. Well, there's a lot of different kinds of trafficking. The trafficking that we're focusing on is sex trafficking. Right. There's labor trafficking and stuff like that. But sex trafficking is basically forcing someone to sell their body sexually against their will. It's what's referred to as modern day slavery. Now, and, and before, I mean, before we began, we were talking about something unrelated, but prostitution came up and you were like, you were very quick to point out the difference that you feel between there is a huge difference between I sex trafficking and prostitution or yeah i'm not I, i'm not here to speak against prostitution i'm of the opinion that if you are an adult and you're well you are not being coerced by anybody you are in control of your own empire your own business empire uh and you're psychologically okay with everything you're doing go for it mm-hmm. i'm not here to judge anyone at all what i'm against is a child being prostituted because regardless of whether that child and I say child 14, 15, 16, uh, if that girl or boy says, okay, they're not allowed to say, okay, right. they're a minor. You're, you, you cannot make legally make a decision at that age. So I don't think that you These should are be the same people that if you were like, uh, Hey man, do you want to be a, a power puff girl? They'd be like, okay, exactly. You know what I'm saying? You can't exactly. take that very seriously. Or if you said, if you said to a girl and said, Hey, I'm going to give you a show on Disney. Do you want to go do it? They're not going to think about the ramifications of right. what's going to happen. They're just going to be like, Oh, really great. An adult has the ability not to number one, no right from wrong. And number two, to be able to manipulate someone 
that is uh, immature, young. It, that it's that's what coercion that hasn't been around comes the block. In. Like essentially, yes. it's just like I know how to outwit this motherfucker. Exactly, mm. and that's. I mean, I, I Frank wasn't like that with me. I mean, he wasn't thinking that he could get around. If anything, I was much smarter than Frank, and it, <laughs> I really was. The guy had a lot of problems. You're like I'm 14. I'm the 14 year old child prostitute. I'm smarter than the guy running this operation. I really was. You were like Hogan's heroes, man. <laughs> you were held captive, but you had a bunch of communication device in the teapot and whatnot. Well, that's one of the reasons why it was so hard for me to break away from Frank. I think because besides what we were doing at night, and at one point his son moved in with us. He had a 14. Uh, no, not 14. A 12 year old son. Still had. Is this oh, with okay. his ex wife? Okay. He took custody of his kid, and that's when things started really going awry because he was wanting to have his life with me, wanting to have his life with his son, wanting me to be his son's stepmother while telling his son that I'm like 19. And in fact, I'm like 14 months older than this kid. Oh my God. And wanting me to play that role to him. Right. It was just, it was all getting to be too much. Like it just got to be crazy. So yeah, that'll, that'll bog down on a 14 year old's mind. Yes. I, I was just like, Ooh, I don't want to, I don't want to be with this guy. And where I was going with this, all this is he was trying to get me pregnant. He was, but of course, as I pointed out, he was impotent. So that didn't really, yeah, that's the, and did you guys out. never have sex? <laughs> yeah, we had sex. I mean, his, he never, he, his problem was, is that he couldn't like, he couldn't, I hate to get so graphic, but he couldn't come. Just having sex. Like he would have to like go and go separate and like finish it himself. And that's usually a good indicator of somebody who's got some issues. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if it's just like, if you can't. Deep psychological issues. If you can't pull together something as simple as an orgasm. Yeah. You've got to go talk to a team of fucking people who are just like, hey, this is easy, buddy. Life is hard. It's primal. It's basic. If you can't get that together. Got some issues. You're right. You were smarter than this fucking dude. Um, okay. So at this point now, uh, you're, it's just so weird, man. Cause I always have to stop and throw it into the perspective of at age 14, my mindset was like, can you believe they put that many fucking teddy bears in the fucking last Star Wars movie? <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. They ruined it, everybody. They ruined it. They ruined Star Wars. Meanwhile, you're fucking like, I got to get away from my pimp who I'm way smarter than. <laughs> Oh my god. You do have a really great perspective on that. Unbelievable. So anyway, you're trying to get away from Frank, the not so killer pimp, and you're being encouraged by Chase, the nice man who lives across the the way. Yeah. Yeah, he was basically saying and his big thing though when he heard the story that Frank was trying to impregnate me, he freaked out. Yeah, that he is was fucked like, up. "Oh no, don't do that. Don't yeah. let him do that, Jamie." And I kind of pointed out to him as I just pointed out to you, well, he's trying, but he's not going to be successful. Uh not that I, not in the right. foreseeable future anyway. Right. Uh, until the invention of Viagra, that might have helped. He, Viagra. Oh my God, this predates that yes, as well. Yes. At least I, I mean, I think it was out, but it was very, like, very expensive and it was hard to get. It definitely wasn't as predominant as it is now. I think this was when it first got released. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, lucky me. Yeah, I got really. away from that. You dodged a bullet. I did. I mean, that's a big bullet to dodge. Do you know how many, like, elderly women that I think when that drug came out, I think they were just like, oh, my God. Thank God I'm past it. Oh, my God. This can't be happening. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that Viagra was a great invention for women, womankind everywhere. My wife gets all upset about – not upset about but Her big criticism is like, you know, leukemia, cancer, these things have been around forever. 
And but we, like one of the first fucking things that gets get figured out is like, well, we got to keep our dicks hard. Exactly. <laughs> Breast cancer, all those things. Yeah, There's so, so many things. Burnered. Hey, everybody, I've got a boner pill. They're like, congratulations. <laughs> that is science. And, and now everybody can get one. Anybody, any man. Yeah, they even have the um, generic ones on TV now. That's Smiling true, right? Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cialis, all that stuff. Cialis. Um, thank God it didn't exist back then. Yes, thank God. So anyway, Chase, uh, Chase obviously was quite upset to hear Frank was trying to impregnate me. He told you me you guys are like a fucking TV movie, man. Like the the little Somebody kid prostitute and the fucking someday. dude who like hangs out across the way. He's like, you should really be doing better things with your life, you know. Well, that's and it's kind of like a version of the professional to some degree. Um, well, I think one of the reasons that I'm trying to point out Chase's morality. Yeah. Well, this is important for later. Yeah. I want, I'm going to say I'm leading into something and it's very important that because I'm now married to this man, Mm. I want him to be portrayed in a very, in the light that I saw him, not in the stereotypical assumption light. Totally. So you're going to get to put, put that all out there, of course, but you realize you can make the most beautiful case possible and still somebody's going to be like, Hey man, exactly. I will even, the podcast we did originally, right. I, there was one person that did kind of give me some flack because of my description of my psychological treatment, my very brief description of my psychological treatment. Um, they kind of gave me some flack, like, well, you didn't describe cognitive behavioral therapy. And I said, well, you know, listen, my, <laughs> you're like, my, you, is that, that the only part of the exactly fucking what podcast you were listening to? That's exactly what I said. I said, I'm really sorry that of the whole podcast, that's what you took away from it. Right. But I made the point that my, uh, my therapist, my former therapist, John Fight, did, uh, tell me he listened to it. Actually, I believe, uh, he listened to it on his way back from Los Angeles and his, uh, there, he had his, his adult children. And um, some foreign exchange students that he takes in. Mm. They all listened to the pod together and loved it. Nice. Loved it. He was so proud of me. He was so happy. That's cool. That would be cool for him. He's like, I know her. Well, hey, actually, from what her. he told me, the kids all started cheering when I mentioned him and thanked him. That's awesome. They all started cheering in their car. That's fucking right. That made me feel great. I say kids, but his his son's an adult. His son's my age. Right. So <laughs> Still, though. He refers cool. to him as his kids. Right. Um, so anyway. People do get critical no matter what you put out there, I yeah. think. There's always going to be the naysayer. So, and that's you can't okay. let those fuckers stop. You, oh, no. you, that's a, you, put your, you put your story out there and most people who care will get it. And then there's always going to be a few clowns who are just like, hey, man, you didn't, everything about your psychological condition is not described accurately. Like who, who fixates on that point after hearing that whole story? Who sits there and goes like, uh, she got that term wrong? Well, probably someone who feels very deeply about the psychological profession. I think that um, the, this person's point was that they didn't want somebody to go out and try to get therapy based on what I said. And I, I made it very clear in my res- public response to him that what I said in the first podcast was not my recommendation for other people, it was just saying, this is what worked for me. And it was a, a 30 second description. I right. was, I was in therapy for like almost three years. Yeah. That, that did not fully describe ever, all the work we did together. It was just a very brief synopsis explaining to you and to the audience what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely was not an accurate description. So again, this on is the me, other hand, this is me saying, 
find your own therapist, find your, what works for you. Don't, right. don't base your decisions on what worked for me. On the other hand, don't be so fucking pedantic either. Exactly. <laughs> for God's I, sake, cut Jamie some slack. Didn't you hear the rest of that story? <laughs> She's looking for a goddamn I bedroom. Just, I just want to help other kids. <laughs> That's all. So um, this isn't about me. This isn't even about me. It's, this is, we'll get to that, but this is all about the people we're going to try to help. Right. And that's the only reason I'm putting my story out there. I'm going to tell you, I have received no benefit from Wayne Foundation in the last almost two years. Yeah. I haven't even paid myself a salary, and I am running a one-woman show running this organization. She ain't kidding, man. I can verify all that information. So uh, just to say, we, we're all on the up and up. Yes. We're just trying to do the right thing yes. here. Yes. Okay. So get off her back. Yeah, get off my back. I'm a good person. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, you're going to take well with criticism, man. Stop it, you jerks. You're I'm nice. Mean. You're yes. mean. Yeah. Don't be mean. I never thought of taking that approach. I'm going to take that approach you from should, now on. Because then people can't naysay you that way. Why? Because you're you're coming at it from a innocent perspective. <laughs> yeah, nobody like, will buy that from me. Nobody's gonna buy that. I think that you are a good guy, and I think you're a lot sweet. of people would see that. But you have you have your persona that's based on all of your movies and your filmmaking. I think there's a certain expectation of you, but I think when all that's away and gone, Kevin Smith, the person. You're a very empathetic, caring, caring person. And I'll say you have received no benefit from what I'm doing for Wayne Foundation at, 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 other than doing good. You know, you – I mean well, I'm just saying that – it's just the notion that if we're successful and even one person gets pulled off – I know people are like, come on, one? But it's like, yeah, man, one life. Do you know you how much work it will life. take for just one? Yeah. I mean we're talking – you guys are not going to hear a success for story, I would say, for 10 years. Right. I mean, this is a big, big project that we're undertaking, and we have to all understand that this is not going to be something that where you're going to get updates every week about all the kids we're saving. Right. We don't even have a facility yet. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to raise money to have a facility where that's the base point to start. And I'll let you in on a yeah. big secret. There will never be a mission accomplished banner. No. There won't, but that's a good thing. Yeah. Because it's a constant, it's a constant fight. You can't ever stop the fight until we know for a fact that there are no pimps, no human traffickers in our country. I mean, worldwide, yes, but right, let's just focus on where we're at right now in our country, in the free United States. It's supposed to be the best country in the world. As long as we can say not a single child in our country is being sold to other, to adults for either labor or sexual purposes, we're not done. Uh, We're not done. You're so – oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. You should run for something. Oh, but politics, it's all such a circus. Well, you'll lose, but you should run. I should. And you should run on the nice policy, you know, the nice good platform, just like this is nice and fair. What you said is absolutely true. It's just weird because we live in a culture that fetishizes children up until the moment they're born. And then it's just like nobody checks in with them later on to make sure they're not being sold into sex trafficking or something like that. You know how – People get very up in arms about the issue of abortion in this country. And, man, every uh, political campaign seems to be predicated on one side of that fence or the other. But how about a real issue about, like, this is something – this is about what happens – The kids that are really here. Yeah, this is what happens to that fucking shit you're fighting for when it actually pops out, man. Like, problems don't end once you're born. It's just like the kid wasn't aborted and it lived happily ever after. It's like sometimes – the kid doesn't get aborted, and what happens is it gets sold into fucking in our own country. An American citizen gets three hundred thousand kids. 
That's what the federal government says. And In you our know, country. You know that's a conservative number if it comes from the federal government. Explain. Well, federal government numbers tend to be conservative uh, anytime they were like unemployment numbers or anything like that. They have a certain statistic that you have to fall into to be included in that number. So like with unemployment, if you don't qualify for unemployment, but if you don't have a job, you're not part of the American unemployment rate, the 10%, 11%. So in reality, when you factor those people in, the number is probably more around 20% that's unemployed. So extrapolate our other yeah but because it's a public number that our government's releasing they're obviously going to go with the number that fits their statistic right knowing that the number's probably incorrect the thing is it's i I assume that it's probably the same way for uh human trafficking for children is that yes there's three hundred thousand, but there's always going to be a certain percentage of children that are not that are going to be missed you know or counted in their statistic when somebody eventually has to go like does this count yeah, well, because they're not, I mean, they obviously have to be basing their numbers on real facts. But again, what about the kids that like kids like me, where no police officer was ever involved? Nobody ever knew about what happened. Am I part of that number? No, you're not even part of the statistics. Because I would assume that their numbers would have to come from arrests or rescues or something along those lines from organizations working with these kids and and um, police officials working with these kids. I assume that the numbers have to come from them. I mean, I don't know personally right but it's just got to be a logical assumption that that's where they're getting their statistics from so if there's kids out there that are not being helped that are still out there that and we and they've not contacted anybody and they're just out there doing their thing every night doing what their pimp says to do then how do we know about them they're lost people it, it, it all, i like, thought this was supposed to be the happy episode <laughs> man you're supposed to be oh, careful there. Uh, this it's, is supposed to be the up with up with Jamie. Jamie gets a bedroom. I'm getting off track. This is supposed to be the after school special ending oh, version so, of the I'm, story. To the audience, I sincerely you keep apologize. injecting it with all this harsh reality, Jamie. Well, that's but that's the it's world. Very true. Though. This is all important, man, and it's, it's all information that in. you're going to need to know later on when we ask you for lots of money. Exactly. It's the it's the world we live in. If we don't recognize there's a problem, then how can we ever fix it? I'm with you. Okay, so... Problem doesn't end once the baby's born. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, let's just go back to that. In many ways in this world, problem just begins once you pop out of that womb because there's a world of predators out there just waiting to earn off you in some way or take things off of you or take you. (laughs) Okay, so we'll just go ahead and get to the point where I tell Frank, no more, I believe I covered that in the last podcast, called him up, said, hey, I'm not down with this anymore. I just, I never indicated to him that I uh, was angry towards him in any way i said listen man i can't do this anymore you got your kid you just can't it's too much so as a 14 year old you had a mature kind of breakup with a nearly 50 year old how did he take to it he he started crying and and he i I don't remember specifically what he said but i do remember him calling me several times over the next week like telling me he was going to kill himself if i didn't come back Mm. And I did, there was this part of me, because I'm very, very empathetic and caring, there was sick, kind of a sick thing that I, there was a part of me that I really felt bad. Like, and I really was worried this guy was going to kill himself because of me. But did you ever think about going back? No. No. No, that wasn't an option. But I was really fearful that somebody would take their life based on something I did. I mean, that's, regardless of what kind of person it is, that's a lot of guilt to carry. No doubt. So it did kind of weigh on me a little bit, but the calls stopped and... I had I, I I had Chase's support in a sense of a friend, so that was very helpful to me. 
And eventually, uh, he just, that was it. Frank falls out of your life. Yeah, it was just over. I guess for a guy like that, it's best if it just kind of. I did talk to him. He doesn't want you to ever like turn around a year from now and be like, you son of a bitch and start pressing charges and going after him or getting I talked to him about when I was like 19 or 20. I talked to him just as a person. Right. No accusations or anything like that. And, um, it became, I became aware that he was doing the same thing with a 15 year old girl in Indiana. And at that point I made the decision. I contacted the FBI and I let them know, like, listen, this is what happened with me. I've been given information directly from the guy that he's doing the same thing with another. I don't think he was, I think he was just in a relationship with her. Right. Um, I don't think he was, I, I, I never got any information that he was trafficking or prostituting her out, but he was with an underage girl. And it was interstate, so I knew the FBI would be interested. Right. So um, they investigated it, and then they came back to me a few months later and said, well, listen, we had a, we ran into a problem. Um, she has kids, and I guess in the state of Indiana, once you have children, you're considered a legal adult, even if you're like 15. So they couldn't charge him with anything because she had like two or three kids. Oh, man. But you see the type of person he's targeting yeah. is vulnerable girls. And it's not, it's not a conscious decision on his part, I think. I don't think it's a con, I don't think any of this stuff's conscious in his decision making. Like, I'm going to get over on these kids. I think it's just that's the kind of person he's attracted to is somebody that he can try to control and manipulate. And honestly, with me, it didn't work that well. Right. (laughs) Other than just saying, okay, okay, but I'm a people pleaser. I, uh, I will say yes to a lot of things that I probably shouldn't say yes to, but, I just, I'm a nice person. Right. So I always just want to do, do the right thing by people, especially people I care about, you know? So I, I have a tendency to just be like, yeah, okay, okay. You niced yourself right into fucking prostitution yeah, there, my I did, friend. I really kind of did. You got to hold of course, back a bit of an edge. Of course, I was not really happy with the situation. Yeah, I wasn't exactly. like into it. Like, yes, I'm a whore. Yes. <laughs> well, nobody, I don't think, what, I mean, what were you in the Bible? Nobody really uses that term anymore. <laughs> Unless you're mad in the play or something Whore. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Whore. You ruined my life. Curtains. Um, prostitute. Sorry. Sorry to all the hardworking prostitutes out there that are not being manipulated by men. The bros, if you will. Yeah. Exactly. Who are in charge of their own. Uh, Sex workers of America United. <laughs> well done. Well done. You are going to run for politics one day, aren't you? Um, okay. So this scumbag's finally out of your fucking yeah. life. You try to uh, to stop this scumbag from doing some, the same thing to somebody yeah, else. Yeah, when I was about 20, yeah, I did. And thanks to some fucking dopey loop, loophole, yeah, some law, uh, he gets to continue. Uh, and thankfully you never have to deal with him again. I never dealt with him again. I know where he, I know where he's at. I, um, and I've never contacted him, but I, I'm pay attention to and what's how, going let me see, on. You're, how old are you now? Uh, I'll be 27 in August. So this was all 13, well, that, 12 years ago. 13, that 12. even throws it into a fucking perspective. This only happened like a little over 10 years ago. Yeah. A little over a decade back. Yeah. Look at how many strides I've made since then. I know. I mean, because I've got it. a long list of accomplishments now. Think about the, yeah, what you've done between age 14 and now is actually mm-hmm. pretty damn impressive. The fact that you came out of it alive at all and uns, uh, well, I wouldn't not say. addicted to drugs, not yeah. with an STD yeah, or, or pregnant just, or fucking hating the world. Like yeah. you still actually believe in humanity. The fact that you can still be a maintain a humanist tendencies, be a humanist. After everything you've gone through, you'd be like totally justified to be like fucking fu- not not just fuck men, fuck all people. Everybody sucks. 
But uh, you're still like, you know, if we could just save one person. Well, the way I look at it. You're like Tiny Tim. <laughs> I mean, he didn't want to save anybody. Maybe himself. <laughs> He's so selfish, that kid. But he was adorable. He was, yeah. That's right. So you what, got that going for yes. you. Yes. I do have the adorable thing going. Totally. That's totally where, sell on that. That's where you'll be fantastic at the head of a charity, man. She'd go out there and be like, come on, help us out. And like, she's so cute. Here's a thousand dollars. Exactly. I actually had a lady on on the plane with me. That was totally into elderly ladies. She was going to, I believe she was going to Spain right. with her husband. And, uh, we got to chatting and she pulled, she pulled out her iPad and pulled the Wayne Foundation's website up and was looking at it. She's so thrilled. She wanted to know all about you and wanted to know all about. Oh, don't tell her about well, that. Well, no, no. In the she sense of like, like, lady, sh- just stop here at the Wayne Foundation. <laughs> don't go any deeper. No. <laughs> Movie guy makes bad movies. Very no, incredible. no, no. I mean, in the sense, she wanted to know about you. Like she was very interested in the uh, podcasting. She didn't know what podcasting was or right. internet radio or anything like that. She was very fascinated with that concept. Right. She, she, she seemed to me like very embracing of technology. So that's, that's what she neat. wanted to know about. When I say she wanted to know about you, she wanted to get understand how the whole recording thing works she and like, who what listens the fuck to it. Is the internet? You had to explain it to her. No, him. it was more like what is internet radio? Like how do you log on to that? Podcasting? Yes, yes, that kind of thing. Right. But she was very interested in the foundation and what we were trying to do. And I was just, I was right up on Front Street. I was like, yeah, I was one of these kids. Really? Oh, I wanted to see her reaction. And what did her face do? She was actually quite endeared towards me. Well, I mean, what? She, but she. You she sound just, a little surprised. What do you think? She'd be like, "Get away from me!" No, well, no. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting quite the a reaction she had. She had a very um, loving towards a reaction, like kind of like, oh, like how great of you. That's so wonderful that you're taking your experiences and just. Going out there with it. Oh, she put a, she, it was no, very like, encouraging. Yeah, yeah, it was no, like, oh man. No, it wasn't pity. Yeah, it, was it was like, like look at you. Yeah. You're turning waste into want or exactly. something. Exactly. Like yeah. Lemon and it, made, lemons and a lemonade. It made my flight, although the flight was uh, frustrating before that, right. prior to that, as we were sitting on the tarmac for an hour, 45 minutes talking. Totally. <laughs> and her husband's reading the paper, like, oh. And then she put on her fucking <laughs> headphones and in her own head, she was like, oh my God, 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 there's a child prostitute next to me and she's cute as a button. Um, okay, so you get, you, frankly, you leave Frank yeah. behind. You're 14. Yes. So. Chase is your neighbor, buddy. I, no, I'm 15 at this point. 15. I broke up with Frank right after I turned 15. Okay. I say broke up. I left Frank, however you want to phrase it. Right. Uh, so. <laughs> I'd hate to tell you what I was doing at 15. <laughs> Probably what most normal 15-year-olds do. Ornate masturbation rituals, yeah. Like well, you have to understand, there was that part of put me. Put it in that were immobile like a mattress or there were like There was definitely a part of me that was just a regular kid. Like when I was at home, like I only saw him like once or twice a month. Right. So for the weekend. So when I was at home and I was at school, I was trying desperately to be a regular kid. And I was almost exiled by everybody around me. I don't know, like, the people my own age. I don't know why, but I was, like, we had, like, 5,000 kids in my school, in my high school. I was a freshman when all this was going down, when I was going to see Frank. And there was something about me 
that they just didn't get. And I was like the, you know how there's the unpopular people, but then there's like the two or three kids that anybody knows that if you even tried to make friends with them, you yourself would be ostracized. So you never go to those people. Yeah. Social pariah people. <laughs> exactly. I was one of those people. We call them Kev Smiths in our school. <laughs> that no, was I me. was really, I was not that. I used to make fun of those kids and be like, wow, man, they got it worse than us. Cause I was in the one loser up crowd. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was the crowd I aspired to be in. And I was always trying to be a part of was like, I was in drama and, right. the, and of course drama people are not the most popular popular people in school. Right, right. But I was even kind of like I won't I don't want to use the word shunned, but I definitely was not even popular amongst the drama crowd. It was kind of just like, oh, we got Jamie here. People like you are important in the school structure because it just reminds you, uh, you know, it, it could get worse. Yeah, it's just scary. <laughs> it's, you're there to scare the shit out of the popular people and to and to you're kind of like the poor with the middle class. <laughs> like, you know, the idea of like, man, we better work hard because if we don't, that's what happens. Exactly. You sit at that lunch table by yourself like that creepy emo chick. <laughs> that was me eating lunch by myself every Did day. Did you really? Yeah, for that's four years. That's fucking heartbreaking. It really is. It really is. Like, and meanwhile, I, I all it. any one of those boys had to fucking find out is that you were like the teenage prostitute, man. Even oh though you would have been out for hire, they I still would have been imagine. like, tell us every story. No, I think it, it got out that once at one point that I was bisexual and that really like you would think that people would be okay with that. They'd be like, you rock. Come sit at oh, our table. They're like, oh. move over one more table. Would you? Yes. <laughs> Did they? What the yes. fuck, man? Oh my God. It was, I will say this and unequivocally my four years in high school. Yeah. My experiences there were far more traumatic and long lasting than what Frank ever did. Oh my God. Not to downplay what Frank did. No, but, but you heard it here first. How harsh bullying. I got beat up a lot. Did I, you really? Oh my God. For I what? got like beat up just because people didn't like me. Like literally I got, I, I remember when I was like 10 years old, I got off the bus and a bunch of girls, like four girls followed me for like a block and they came up to me and the one girl was like, Jamie, we want to tell you something. And I knew something bad was about to happen. Oh, my God, man. And I'm standing there by myself. I was not a huge kid. I was, I'm obviously very tiny yeah, now. Yeah, she's I wasn't pretty scrawny. Any, I wasn't very big then either. So um, the girl's like, I want to tell you something. And she's like, come here. And as soon as I leaned towards her, popped me right in the face. Just popped me. Like these were like scrappy girls. Right. Like they weren't – they used their fists. They right. didn't pull hair. Oh, so, and I got beat up really bad that day. Really Jesus. bad. My mom even asked me, it was one of the few times my mom asked me, she like saw me the next morning, she, and I had like two black eyes, and she's like, did you get beat up? I was like, no. She's Jamie, come on, I'm looking right at you, had you. She's I was like, I walked into a wall, and she just kind of looked at me like, are you kidding me? Are you, could you really be more serious? I think they should, uh, they should do an update of the Annie musical using <laughs> your fucking childhood. <laughs> Because if you're going to tell a story about some poor kid, little girl struggling against the the big grown up world, good God, your story just doesn't end, man. It's like well, you you think you'd cut yourself some slack, or the universe <laughs> would cut you some slack, going like, they well, are now. yeah, it is I, now. I guess. But how many? Like, it's impressive that you made it. Most people would crumble, particularly when you're dealing with the intellect or the emotional uh, intellect, if you will, of a, of a you know a teenager or a pubescent kid of some sort. Like, you know, you read about all these. I've read a story the other day. Two girls killed themselves at a slumber party. I read that. Isn't it that a horrible story? Cry. It's such a horrible story. But you sit there going like, 
I mean, I can't, I don't know their stories, but I don't think either of them went through, you know, what you were going through. Well, but think about that. I, I was actually talking with Chase about this article you were talking about, uh, these, with these girls. And my big question was, if your kid is so obviously upset at school that they're to the point, and because it, it seemed like the parents kind of acknowledged she had problems, right. uh, socially. Uh, that they had just moved there or something along the lines, just moved to that I town. I think one of the one of the girls, yeah. the two, had just kind of moved there recently. Or I mean, the last if your like kid is having that much of a hard time at school, I think you should really take that seriously. I mean, Stuff obviously, that, I mean, I mean now, think if, when you think about do, kids, yeah, not only then. killing themselves, but at certain instances, coming into school and and killing other people. Yeah, that emotion all comes from being hurt by other people and and not feeling like you could fit in and feeling trapped. I mean, except in these girl in this girl's instance, they took it and took their own lives. That's where they took that. But there's kids that get so angry at these kids that are hurting them that they're going to go and hurt them back. They lash out. And they're going to do it in a permanent way. And because they're children, they can't understand that death is permanent and so is jail. Right. You know, that that doesn't factor in when they walk in with a gun and pop start popping people. Most of them that walk in with a gun, though, they don't intend to walk out, it seems like. No. Well, that's, that's, but see, that's what I'm saying. These girls didn't, at least didn't take their anger out on anyone else. else. Yeah. But it's all wrapped into the same kind of abusive, being in an abusive situation. And kids are so cruel to one another because yeah. they don't understand, I think, what they're doing. I don't think they understand that they're hurting someone. You might see it. You see that you're hurting someone, but you don't really get that they're going to take that home with them. They don't understand they're human beings, that that right. person you're tormenting is a real person. Yeah. So I mean, you're talking to a kid who grew up fat. You know what I'm saying? I like I understand, but I not, totally but again, understand. like I used to think I understood. And then I met the teenage prostitute and now I'm just like, I guess the fat kid had it kind of easy. I'm sure you didn't know. Yes, I mean, no, Jamie, I did. Don't even, <laughs> don't even like. Well, Kevin, it's not bad for it's you. It's not know. fair for you to compare my life to yours, though. Your I life need was to. your that, life. That, that, that's that's a perspective everyone needs to hold, man. I, after we recorded the first one, I went home and I told my wife, I was like, I just, I, I wish I could get my hands on the kid right now. <laughs> like we gotta love that kid and and just do everything we've been doing and now duplicate it or make it a hundredfold. I was like, if we don't. Oh my God, I've heard a story of what happens when there is no love for the kid or attention for the kid or broken home or when nobody's watching and stuff. I mean, it's, it's tough. I understand it's tough to like, uh, maintain a bunch of jobs and pay for uh, the, the, a particular lifestyle that everybody wants to live in in this country and be super parent. Oh my God. I mean, I, I, I've got a great job that doesn't even require me to do nine to five and I'm still not super parent. I'm around more than most parents get to be around their kids. I'm still not super parent. There's, you know, there's always so much more one could be doing. And, and it's one of those jobs that you never really take all that seriously. Like I, every once in a while I get into an argument with the wife about something where I throw my job on the table as a defense or something like that. And she just looks at me with that face that's just like yeah dude you're making a movie okay i'm making a human being <laughs> you know every day i'm shaping a human being and not just like building it in her stomach i mean afterwards all the big work came in later on and that always that's a perspective one always needs to remember is just like that's the important work man you're whatever you do for a living however you make money and stuff like that that all ends when you end what goes on is that generation that's next and and that's the testimony 
uh, to who we are is, is, is how our children live or lived or continue to live. And, you know, I guess the aim is always to make it, I guess, 50% better for your kids than you had it. But, uh, somebody dropped that bar way low in your case, kid. Well, I, I am the product of my environment. I think that's one of the things that needs to be looked at by the American people and by the politicians in this world is that one of the things that causes human trafficking is poverty, mm-hmm. crime, things of those nature. When there's so much inequality for certain people that in a large, the majority of people and now, especially now that the economy has crashed and we're almost destroyed the middle class. Right. Uh, once you get into that poverty level, morality doesn't really exist anymore. And I mean, especially when you feel like there's no way out, you have no choice. There's a lot. Of, I mean, just the sex industry in itself, it's loaded with women that feel like this is the option I have. And I got to admit, when you're making a few hundred dollars in a night versus going to make minimum wage, which is seven twenty five in most places, went seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. Right. I mean, think about that. You're going to work eight hours and make like forty dollars. Really? Yeah. Fifty dollars. Or you, or can, you take can, a can go take your clothes off, or go take a you know, I don't want to go dance on a pole, or you can go take pictures and not have even have sex with anybody and make like 500 bucks in a few hours. Yeah. As long as you sign your rights away, you're all good. Fascinating how we're still so damn interested in seeing what's under the clothes. Well, it's like I said, again, it all boils down to our society. And if we want these kind of atrocities to stop, we have to make some personal changes. It's just, we have, or not just personal changes, but we have to make changes as society as a whole. I mean, we want to talk about, Oh, well, Get these people off welfare. Get these people off welfare. Some of these people, that's all they have right. is welfare. You know, so we've got, I think, education. And that's, I'm going to get into that in my perspectives on education here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But education is the key. Education is how we have even small. No, I'm not talking universities. I'm talking about basic education and education that people actually retain. Right. Not something where you go. Because, I mean, do you remember what you learned in school when you were in high school, even yes. just high school. Do you learn, do you remember every detail of what you had to test on and learn? Of course not. Yes, I do. Do you do? Test me on anything in social studies. Uh, Hammurabi's <laughs> code. Social studies in high school? Um, let me see. Uh, uh, Holly Smoot tariff act. Uh, I remember all those things. No, of course not. I don't remember jack shit. Well, we, we need to have an education system that actually teaches people and doesn't try to fit everybody into the same framework to learn. I'll give a very good example of this. Chase, my husband, is flat out a genius. He's uh-huh. a genius. But he did horribly in school and actually quit school when he was uh, in the ninth grade because he has very severe ADD. Right. He cannot learn in the structure that's set up right now in our public school system. Right. You have to sit there six hours a day, class to class, sit and pay attention to what the teacher's doing and so immobile. He needs to get up and move around and things like that. So he always tested well, but actually just sitting there and doing the work, he didn't care. Right. So, you know, he went out and got his GED and took care of it. But I guess my point is, is that we need to conform to individuals, not try to fit everybody into this framework because not everybody is going to fit. I fit into the school system very well. I even after having all this stuff happen to me, I went on to make straight A's, graduate with honors, had a full scholarship to college. I have the type of personality that works very well within the school system. Right. But we have to acknowledge that not everybody is like that. And it's unfair to them 
to give them an education that they can't benefit from. I, uh, yeah. So I, I, it all, it, it, that's a big social cause. We're getting I sound off like, track. I sound like one of those people who would benefit from an education because I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just dizzying. You, you will be a politician, a good one. I hope so. Or hope- speaker. You're going to speak. That's one of the things. I mean, we'll jump ahead and we'll jump back to Chase because that's such yeah. an important story. But, um, one of the, the ways that, uh, you're going to support not just yourself, but also the Wayne Foundation is to go out and speak. And yes. as we all hear, you're very articulate and you, uh, unlike most people who kind of get up and, and, you know, speak about, I am an expert on this, that, or the other thing. You've actually been in the trenches. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You've, you've got personal experience with it all. Uh, it's not just a platform for you. It's your life. And I will say this, all speaking engagements, the payment is not going to me. It's it going is to going directly to the Wayne Foundation. The, uh, it is even considered a tax deductible fee. Mm-hmm. So any organizations that would be interested, corpor- uh, corporations. Yeah, you brought that up before like we were that. recording. And I was like, corporations? What are you talking about? And you, what you brought up was like, ah, like I hadn't thought about it like that. Go ahead. What is that? Well, corporations obviously um, have, especially with travel, have a lot of people going out in the world. Mm. And when you go out in the world and you sit, as you would probably well know, when you sit in a hotel room, if you're by yourself. You play a lot of online poker. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or you go out and start walking around and trying to figure out what can I do with my evening. A lot of people. Who does that? Yes. No, you you bunk up, you eat room service, you watch SpectraVision. That's what you and I do. Yeah. You Some people don't do that. The average business traveler leaves his wife behind or her husband. Yes, they don't usually students. take their spouse with them because companies don't pay for the spouse to travel. Right. So unless you're independently wealthy. And then it's like fucking mad, man. They get to another city and it's a, a hooker paradise for them. Well, it can be. So I think uh, my big point to corporations is how to keep an eye out for human trafficking. I know there's several corporations in the um, travel industry that have embraced this. I, uh, I know Delta for sure. Just trained all their people on how to identify a human trafficking victim. Get out of here. Yes. Nice. Specifically kids. Well done. Delta. Uh, they yeah. love to fly and it shows. Well, I think that that's a really important thing because think about it. If you're going to traffic a kid, like I was flying back and forth um, on Delta a lot, AirTran, Delta, all that. Right. Whatever was the cheapest. <laughs> Way to raise them up and then slap them right down. Oh, the next sorry. You're like, good for Delta, but when I was a kid. <laughs> Well, at that time, there was no human trafficking laws. Nobody knew what it was. Right. So they just thought – I was also flying with a, a fake ID, so – Delta is riding an emotional roller coaster <laughs> right now. They're like, praise, damning, praise again. Oh, this lady, we're, we're taking a ride with you. Can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. That's important. So in any event, uh, they no, train now. their people to identify Well, they recognize the problem. Them. They right. recognize that, hey, these these people are, are being put on our planes. So we have a responsibility to keep an eye out. Because think about how much you interact with the flight people, not just the flight attendants, but the people you buy your tickets from and all that. Totally. They are looking right at you. And obviously, think about how emotional some people get. Obviously, these people are having to deal with a lot. Right. So they're, they took all their people and they gave them the rundown like, hey, this is how – if you see somebody like this, maybe you should say something. And this is the, what you should go to – what they should – I believe they have some kind of procedure. And so they bring – someone like you would uh, come in and speak to a corporation and you would be the literally the face of – yeah, like, child prostitution. Yeah, hi, I'm one of them. Right. I'm one of them, and see, we can look very normal. We do, there's a stereotype in our country, and it's perpetrated by the media that 
human trafficking victims come from other countries. Right. That they're trafficked here for American, whether they to be your maid or your gardener or your sex slave, whatever. Um, that's not true, as I pointed out earlier, that most of the people that are at least sex trafficked in our country are United States citizens. Mm. So um, when I'm a representation of that, I look very normal. I You would never have guessed just looking at me that this is what happened to me. Kind of like with the lady on the plane. Right. You know, she had when I said that, it was just like, oh, but then it immediately went into like, well, it's so great that you're helping people. Right. My that, first reaction was like, did you ever see Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Many, many. <laughs> okay. So but as far as corporations are concerned, I can come in and be like, hey, look, this is the face of what you're looking at. So this is how to identify. These are the main things that you want to look for. Is it, and also to kind of just let you know, if you're going to go out and use prostitution service, I don't want to say don't do that. Right. But Maybe steer clear of anyone that looks like a kid. Mm. Um, they're made up to look like adults, so maybe try to go to the, towards the older crowd right. <laughs> just to be safe. And I would definitely say um, I re- I've read some stories uh, from John's recently, a whole series uh, from a John's perspective, the guy that buys the prostitute. Okay. And one anonymous guy had said that he had bought a prostitute over in Europe and um, he felt really awful because after they got back to wherever it was they were going, it became very clear to him that she was not a willing participant in any of this. She was crying. She was upset. She obviously did not want to be there. And he didn't know what to do. Because he obviously wasn't going to continue with her right. the date. But at the same time, he felt like, well, if I call the authorities and, and try to help her, I'm going to go down because right. I just bought her services. And she'll also probably get beat up by well, whoever yeah. she's scared well, of. Well, I mean, if they, he was able to help her, like the police bring the police in mm. and they would take her away from that situation, then she probably wouldn't be hurt anymore. But again, he's got to worry about his own reputation. He's probably, guy was probably married, right. you know, along those lines. But again, that's an example of a business traveler that got put into a situation that he didn't know how to react. So I can kind of go over what you should do if you ever find yourself in that situation or how to prevent being in that situation. I mean, obviously, I don't think that you should go use a prostitute. It's probably not the best idea. You can get STDs. That's what you need to do. You need to get up front in front of these people and be like, boys, just slap it around a little bit. Well, I I mean, but again, I don't (laughs) want to I don't want to downplay those people who are in that industry that are willingly there and that's their job. Right. You know, I don't want to take away from that. Right. So I'm kind of, I'm torn on the issue. You're like the gun people who are like, look, I ain't against guns. I just don't want, you know, automatic don't weapons. Yeah. Don't fucking kill people. Bullets don't kill people. People kill people. Exactly. Uh, so don't aim it at anyone. <laughs> um, Jeff Hyman, who represents yeah. me over at Deggy, D-E-G-Y entertainment. Uh, he's going to be, um, repping you. Yes. And putting you out there. He's in, in such the world. a nice guy. He's Good so dude. into this. Colleges can book you. Yeah, any kind of women's studies, uh, anything along those lines, and we can adhere to what you want. Uh, you want to hear, like what you want me to speak about. We can alter it as long as it has to do with human trafficking. Right. Go for it. We don't even have to go into my own personal experiences. We can just go into whatever that entity wants. I don't have a. I don't have a set speaking. Uh, agenda. agenda. Any, I, I'm willing to work with anybody as long as we can get the word out there to get this to stop. Right. We can talk about whatever. You go on our website under my contact information. Uh, Jeff's information is there. Hit Jeff up. He'll give you the details. We'll get something scheduled. 
Nice. Nicely done. All right. Let's get back into your life, man. Um, because, uh, you're 15 yes. and you've left Frank. Yes. And Chase is my kind hearted neighbor, just kind of trying to encourage me. And at this point in his life, he, um, he broke up with the woman that is the mother of his child. Uh-huh. Nothing to do with me, although she'll say otherwise. Right. <laughs> it really had nothing to do with me. It had to do with her attitude and she was abusive towards their son. So he, um, he tried to take, take the kid and that didn't work out so well for him because he's the father, you know, that's, it's a very hard thing. To usually do goes away the mom. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and usually rightfully so. So he was left in a situation about six months after I broke up with Frank, he was left in a situation where he was all alone in his life and I was all alone in my life other than my crazy ass mother, uh, my abusive crazy ass mother. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to get to the point where Chase and I become a couple and it happened in such a dramatic fashion and it's going to get sad again. I'm sorry. Why does it get sad? But it, he rescues me like a knight in shining armor. So that's good. Is it like, is it, like, is it kind of thrilling? Yes. Like this, uh, really? Like an action story? Yes. Fuck out of here. Really? I promise. All that's right. How we started our relationship. All right, man. How old are you? I'm 15. How old is he? 29. <sighs> this better be a very heroic story. It was. Just it's got to be. It's got to be. Just wait. Okay. And then you will, again, you're going to have to illustrate or, or, or kind of uh, make it clear to people what the difference is. I will. I will. Um, but let me tell you the story. I got to hear this. And then you can clearly understand where he was coming from. Totally. Totally. So. Does this involve kicking a motherfucking door open and shit? Like Batman style? It involves throwing somebody up against a wall. Like Batman. Yes. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I approve. Keep going. So. He wasn't wearing a mask by any chance, was he? No. Fuck. All right. It, but still. Although he was shirtless at the time. He was, it was, it was late at night. There's That's the only reason he was shirtless. <laughs> Just like Batman comes out late at <laughs> it night. It was There's late the at night. It was late at night. Okay. So what happens is I had, uh, I was running late coming home. Chase and I were going to hang out, watch some TV together at my house because he's still I believe was still living next door. And, uh, cause it was, he didn't drive over, he just walked over, so he had to have been living next door. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he came, he came over, I, he got there a little bit before I did, he was expecting me back, my mom was expecting me back. So I came home, a couple hours late, and, um, the whole time he had been in the living room watching TV, my mom was in her bedroom, doing her thing. As we pointed out in the last pod, her thing was abusing prescription pills intravenously. Your mom would get home and uh, get her drink on, get her drug yes. on, and disappear, yes. essentially. And every once in a while, she'd come out and just lay hands on you and beat crap out of you for yes. no good reason and whatnot. And at this point, Chase was aware that my mother was physically abusive of me because he'd seen the marks and I had talked to him about it, but he never made that step. You know, cause like I so said, we weren't in a relationship. We were just kind of, we we're just kind of friends. We were both into computers real heavy and that was a very particular thing between us. Cause obviously at this point, nine, 2000, 2001, um, computers were still, uh, you're still getting there. They yeah, were $2,000 like, like, systems. It, not everybody had one. Right. And not so, everyone had the internet yet. And, and the fact that, that he was like a genius when it came to computers, uh, endeared me to him quite a bit. Okay, so mom is is out cold. No, she wasn't out. She was just back using. She's just back using. Uh huh. And when you say intravenously, she's shooting up. Yeah, she would she would liquefy the pills. She'd crush them up in a mortar, uh-huh. and um, I guess she used water, and they would shoot them up. Ooh. So, um, and that actually we'll get into that later. It actually got her very sick doing that. Right. Sharing, excuse me, sharing needles with people. Ooh. Um. So later on, so at that point, um, I arrive home. 
again, Chase was aware that my mother had been physically abusive, but he had never really seen it. And this kind of, we didn't really talk about it very much. He would just commenting, you know, if I ever had bruises or scratch marks or something on me. Uh-huh. Um, so I come home, he and I sit down, we're just sitting there. He's on one couch. I'm on another couch, sitting there watching TV, not in any kind of intimate sense. And she comes out and just starts raging about me being late because I was late coming home. Okay. And the rage almost instantly went from her yelling at me to her beating the crap out of me. And so, you're 15 years old. Yes. And your mom is uh, uh, 40-something at this point or 30-something? Uh, let's see. Oh, God, no. My mom was like 31 when she had me. So, so about her 40, mid-40s. Mid-40s. Okay. Um, so she, I mean, and when I say beating the crap out of me, I'm talking about punching in the face, pulling of hair, you know, just very, very brutal. And Chase kind of freaked out. He didn't know what to do. So he's like, listen, I'm just going to go. So, cause it wasn't like beating up just like over and over and over again. Like right. she was hitting me, but then she was just kind of like stuck. She's not a huge woman. She's smaller than I am. So, Your mother is smaller than you? Shorter than you? Mm-hmm. She's not even five foot tall. How is that possible? And, well, it, oh, she I punching up? Yeah. Oh, and she can hit. Holy Christ. She had some abusive husband. She knows how to fight back. Ugh. And so, turn it on her daughter. Apparently. Well, it would. Ta- I think she would take her frustrations out on me. Well, obviously, so. but you're not supposed to do that, James. No, you're not supposed to, but it yeah. still happened. Yeah, don't be understanding about that. I know, I know. Okay, so... Chase is like, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce. Jamie, obviously, you guys are having some issues. <laughs> yeah, really? Like, I'm um, outie. Bye. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, he wasn't. Nobody wants to be in the midst of a family squabble. No, and he wasn't my boyfriend or, or anything like that. a family abusive relationship. Yeah, or, well, I mean, like I said, he wasn't, like, in love with me at that point or anything. Right. So it was just like, hey, I probably shouldn't be here for this. I don't right. want to witness this. Um, so he started to leave, and I walked outside only to just apologize to him. I wasn't going to go with him. But my mom thought that I was leaving with him. Right. So she flies out of the house. And this is where we get to the heroic part. Uh, she started, she started by punching me in the face, like really, really hard. And as I was, you just said, she punches up. So she had a tendency to hit me in the jaw. Right. So it threw me off balance and I fell down. And, um, she started and she didn't do this very often. I just, in this moment, she did. She started kicking me in the face and in the stomach. Just like wailing on me, kicking me. And I guess Chase was standing there this whole time. And I guess that pushed him over the edge. Like, hey, that's really wrong. You kick your kid when she's on the ground. That's wrong. So he, as I pointed out, my mother's a very small, small person, less than five foot tall. He picked her up. And as I pointed out earlier, there was uh, glass doors all along the back. He picked her up and literally pinned her up against one of the, the glass doors off the ground. And like, listen, stop. Just stop. Not hurting her in any way of just incapacitating her. Right. Like, With her chill. little legs kicking? Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, like an angry go. leprechaun. Let me go. I gotta hit her again. Let me go. <laughs> yes. Exactly like that. Wow. Uh, so he's, he's started shouting at her like, Christy, just stop. Listen. You have a choice at this moment. And your mom at this point is like really high? Yes. She's totally drugged out. 
So that's why she was behaving this way. She didn't normally act like when she's sober, she's a very intelligent, rational woman. Right. Not when she's using it. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. That's exactly what I used to refer to it as when I was a teenager was her Jekyll and Hyde moments. Like one minute she's like, I love you, Jamie. Next minute, I hate you. I wish you were never born. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough life. Well, that's, yeah, it's just, it, it definitely views your perspective on people's love. Like you, you, that's, and I think that's one of the reasons I got so instantly attracted to Chase in this moment. Because nobody had ever stood up for me. Yeah, before. that's I mean, right then and there, and especially like a man. Yeah, like yeah. the last man who you uh, trusted or was kind to you or had no agenda was your my grandfather, grandfather, and he had passed away three years beforehand. Totally. So I had no one for three years. I had Frank, and he wasn't a help at all. <laughs> he made the situation a lot worse. I yeah. thought he was a help. Well, um, he was a dude. I mean, he was a dude that would. Uh, if he like you would get abused if he would go out sometimes or he would send you places and he'd be there you're saying yeah well yeah i mean but like he's the very i mean look there's a laundry list of why this guy is not the fucking ideal um and please feel free to light your cigarette you deserve a whole fucking pack after sorry story. i'm really sorry not at all oh my god nobody gonna fucking begrudge you having a smoke a or two yeah jesus <laughs> yeah. um but yeah in, in this instance um you've got a man who suddenly not only standing up for you but standing up for you in in a, a, a traditional way that you're not even accustomed to exactly so like bent your mind way. yeah where you're just like oh my oh, god mom. nice guy like if i had to describe it because i'm laying on the ground still as he's holding my mom up giving her this ultimatum like in my mind when i think about it there's like a ray of light shining down on him right, right. <laughs> like he rescued me right but he gave my mom an ultimatum in that moment as he's holding her up against the door he said listen chrissy you've got two options at this point one we can call the police and let them know what's going on let get jamie out of here and i'm sure you don't want that to happen with all the drugs you have in the house um and he said that right to her like right on front street like guess you don't want them here right he says or she can leave with me right now and you're gonna leave her alone and we'll talk about this more tomorrow he says, but tonight she can't be here you're right. just too crazy right now so he was trying to diffuse the situation and um her response to him was i don't give a fuck where she goes as long as i still get the child support check now is this a drug sentiment yes okay yes my mother's sentiments towards me when she was using was of total hate like hate hate like i wish you were never born i should have had an abortion you're ugly you're fat you've you know you have stretch marks and you've never had a kid just real demeaning mean things like that i i used to call it her venom mouth because nothing when she would use and it wasn't ever just directed towards me it was right. anybody who came within her even her other drug user friends like she would just be so mean and nasty when she used like you know mean drunks yeah, yeah, she yeah. was like to the power of 10 of of mean people when using but it was so strange because when she's not using she's such a and she's got such a diminutive stature She's such a, a kind, kind of a very intelligent woman. Right. But the drugs just take her to a whole new level, a whole different playing field. And that just shows how drugs change the chemicals in your brain. It, that all, it's what it all has to come down to is that the drugs are interacting with your brain and you're making decisions that you wouldn't normally make. Unbelievable, man. I, I've never seen somebody that overtaken by 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it if you saw a meth drugs. user, you would see worse. I've seen somebody on meth before. I'm not going to say who. Uh, it's just somebody who's related to me. Uh-huh. I've seen somebody using meth. I didn't know they were using meth at the time, but he got into a very big fight with his wife. And he actually, in here, his wife's my size, very small. Um, he picked his wife up over his head and slammed her down on the concrete ground. Oh, my God. And that's, I mean, and he loves his wife. But that's what drugs do to people. So anyway, back to our story. So you're back 15. Your your chase, chase rescues you from your mom. Do you go stay at his place that I night? I do, but I'm going to tell you, I slept on, on. I did slept separately from him. Right. I didn't. We didn't go back and like make love. Right. It wasn't like that. Right. But over time, I spent a lot more time with him. I was. I mean, I wasn't like living with him in the sense like I moved all my stuff in. Right. But I left my stuff at my house, brought a bunch of clothes over there. And for the most part, I stayed over there. Like, basically, it was my refuge. Anytime my mom got crazy, which was, you know, four four or five nights out of the week, I could go there. So in the same sense that, like, my grandparents gave me a refuge so that I could try to live a normal life a few days out of the week, he was doing kind of the same thing for me. But unfortunately, there was some people that viewed what he was doing as um, predatory. You understand it? Um, just Who's people, finally looking out for you? Nobody in the sense of people looking out for me, but just sense in the sense of people making judgments right. and being like, oh, he's an awful guy. Look what he's doing. You know, just people just being socially nosy, I guess, right. the, the way our society generally is. They but have you, a comment, point, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah, they're like, that's wrong. Like, you want to help? Like, no. Yeah, exactly. It's um, exactly what it was. What, uh, what um, at, at this point, though, you guys are not romantically linked. Like, well, I was getting to that point because, like, we were both obviously very attracted to each other because we had so much in common. And you can't help it when you, once you're attracted to somebody, you can't really, like, shut that off. And you're 15? Yeah. But he was very hesitant to start any kind of relationship with me because he, I mean, he told me, he's like, I was torn because I wanted to because you weren't a 15 year old. To me, yeah. like, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's not like going out and picking up a random 15 year old out of high school and being like, you're my girlfriend now. Right. You know, it was more along the lines like, man, this girl's like an adult. Like, this is a, a somebody I would date. Right. But that number and the threat of jail obviously hung in his head very heavily. But I, I think at a certain point, he was seeing how. I was getting a lot of benefits from being around him. Right. My grades went back to being – because when I was in my freshman year, when I was with Frank, they tanked completely. But my um, my sophomore year and on, being around Chase, I went back to being straight A's. Um, anytime we had a drama production, he would go and, and not only just attend one showing, but attend every showing. Right. And my mom never went. Nobody, I mean, he was the person standing there supporting me. So I think that for someone to make a judgment call that we ended up in a relationship, it's kind of hard not to. Even if he knew the consequences, when you fall in love, you fall in love. You know, and when you care about somebody, you care about somebody, you can't just turn that off. And you can't, you can't just think about a stereotype that, okay, the reason the law is there is because most 15 year olds are not capable of having a mature relationship. But at this point, let's just go ahead and just say, I think I was ready. You were grown up beyond your, beyond your years. You, uh, without trying the world, well, I was, and on top you of all up this, pretty I damn quick. I was also quick. working, you know, like I was going to school and I also had a job at a very early age because my mom made it, made it very, very clear to me. One of the reasons that 
Chase uh, allowed me to stay with him so much, not only just because of her abuse, but because at a certain point when I was about 15, she flat out said, um, I'm not buying groceries anymore. Um, if you want to eat, you can either work or you can go get free lunch at school. But otherwise, I'm done. And at this point, she had never cooked anyway. Right. But to stop buying food altogether, well, right. what it was is her drug addiction. She didn't want to eat ever. Like she, the drugs made it to where she did not have an appetite at all. So to her, buying groceries was kind of a waste. That's money she could be putting towards other things. Unbelievable. So um, Chase definitely. And recognized- it's one thing if you're like, look, I'm not gonna buy any groceries for myself because I, I like using drugs too much. But if you're going like, I'm look- not buying groceries for my 15 year old kid. Oh man! And she literally said that to me. I'm not making this like this was my impression. No, this was verbally said to me. Like, listen, I've decided not to. It? Oh yeah, of course. But she still stuck by it. You know, I mean, even in the sober hours, she was just. like- I never got any groceries after that. Really, I mean, she'd buy some stuff, but it wasn't like. Oh man. It wasn't like grocery groceries where, you know, you have something to eat. It's okay. Right. That's why. So with Chase, it was there was a lot of different levels for him where he saw that I was being seriously neglected on just so many different levels. And like I said, I was mature enough that we were having conversations that adults have. We weren't talking about right. we weren't talking about the Powerpuff Girls and all those things. Well, totally. I we had Powerpuff Girls back then, but and whatever. Also, it's like even yeah, you can't dial backwards. No, once it's done, once the damage is done, it's there. So, and even my psychologist in later years, when I was in my twenties, acknowledged to me. He says, "You do understand that you started growing up when you were like seven, right?" He's like. The, the part where people like 16, 17, 18, that moment, because everybody knows that moment where they realize, oh, my God, I'm, I'm becoming an adult. I'm an individual. Yes. Yeah. He's like, you had that moment when you were around seven Ugh. because you acknowledged that you had to take care of yourself. And once you start caring for yourself and you don't rely on anyone else, I mean, and from a seven-year-old on – that just seems it seems almost ridiculous, but it's true. That's what happened. So that's why I'm so mature now. That's why I was at a certain maturity level then. So we can't turn it off. It's just, and if I had tried to have a relationship with a guy my own age, I would have killed him. No, I no doubt, man. I would I, have could you imagine him. dating? Uh, yeah, I, I think back to who I was when I was 15. And I date a girl who not only, you know, girls are generally more emotionally mature anyway. Exactly. But not only one who's more emotionally mature, but one that has lived a thousand lifetimes. Exactly. And I'm just like, isn't it suck what they brought the Muppets into the end of the Star Wars trilogy? And she's mm-hmm. just like, I I was a prostitute, you idiot. <laughs> I don't care about motherfuck George Lucas. Exactly. That's and and on top of it with the ostracization at my high school. Yes. I couldn't really get close to anybody. So for it, it's kind of an obvious equation that I would have ended up with somebody a, a little bit older than me right. at, at that point. So um I, I I don't really remember when it happened, but at some point we did start becoming intimate. He probably just kind of threw all threw it to the wind and said, "Oh well." I think his big thing that kept him feeling a little bit confident in what he was doing is obviously that my mother was a drug addict. What is she going to do? She's right. going to call the cops and say, "Oh, this guy's raping my child." She didn't seem to care about me going up to visit Frank every other week, right. so. Uh, I guess he felt a little bit confident that, you know, as long as we played it on the down low and didn't be too stupid about it, that it'd all be good, you right. know? But he did admit to me later on in life, after we were married and I was in therapy, he came to several sessions with me uh, to support me. 
But at one point, he broke down really bad in tears and asked the doctor, he says, oh, my God, I've been carrying this around with me since I started my relationship with Jamie's. Am I a pedophile? Because he was so scared that he was the same kind of guy as Frank, that deep down, that because he was in an intimate relationship with me right. at such an early age, and he's 14 years older than I am, that he is a predator too. Yeah, fair question. Well, fair I mean, but it's number one, it's good that he had that fear right. because predators don't have that fear. Right, exactly. People who are really pedophiles don't question Am I a pedophile? Right. They don't ever ask that. Just like insane people who are insane don't ever say, am I insane? Right. They just kind of think what they're doing is normal. Yeah. Same thing with pedophiles. Okay. So the fact that he even questioned it is very good sign. Right. But the doctor, Dr. Fight explained to him, he says, well, number one, I want you to think about it because Dr. Fight never told people what they should be feeling and thinking. He always just kind of gave you tidbits of information to let you come to your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. Which is what a good doctor does. No doubt. Um, so he said to Chase, he says, well, think about it. He says, was Jamie a kid when you knew her? Like, did she act like a teenager? He says, well, of course not. He's like, she was working and going to school and she acted like any other adult I would be dating. He says, okay. So point one. Point two, he says, was Jamie fully developed as an adult when you were intimate, when you started having an intimate relationship with her? He says, well, yeah, he's, you know, she looked like a woman to me. She didn't look like a kid. And the doctor just pointed out to me, he says, listen, our laws say a specific number because it's to protect children. Right. 18. That's an adult. That's what our society has agreed is adulthood legally. So we got to go with that. But there's going to be certain circumstantial things, moments. And in my case, a, a, to, to define something, and we talked about this a little bit in the first podcast, a, a pedophile is someone that's trying to have sex with children. Right. Okay. And, and uh, the final point that Dr. Fight made to Chase is that he says, now, would you have ever tried to have a relationship with any other girl and that was Jamie's age? And he's like, no. He said, if anything, honestly, and he looked at me and says, I love you, hon, but if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't. He says, I was too scared to go to jail for like two years of my life. I was petrified every night that we went to bed really? that the cops were going to come in and throw me in jail for 20 years. Yeah, He's like, that. as much as I love you, hon, I don't know if I'd have that courage again. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but the doctor made it very clear to him that in his professional opinion, Chase was not the same as Frank. He was somebody that was in love with me and trying to do right by me, which our uh, now 12 year relationship and now marriage shows that it, cause he could have, banged me and been like Audi, you know, I'm not ever going to yeah, talk like, to you I again. Got, I notched that one on the bedpost. Yeah. I mean, any, I mean, I was in a position where I would have given it up to him a lot sooner than I did. Right. And if he had asked, but right. he, the point is, is he didn't ask. He was not, that wasn't what he was after. He right. was in it. He was after having a relationship with me. It's just, of course, sexual intercourse is something that eventually just happens with people that love each other. Yeah. But it wasn't the intent. It wasn't the goal. The right. goal was to take care of me and make sure that I wasn't being hurt by anybody. And he's done very well at that. Well, it's 12 years of it. He's had my child. back the whole time. When I graduated from high school, neither of my parents came. Chase came. And that was it. You know, I, I, I had a full scholarship to college and two partials. I had, I had scored very, very well on my ACTs enough so that the, um, the school got a little bit of a bump. Uh, from my score. Nice. It brought their average up, and I was personally thanked by the guidance counselor and the principal. 
Nice. <laughs> and I didn't even study for the test either. <laughs> look at you, man. I mean, look. It, but I had congratulations. So much to be proud of. I know, and but you've there, got way more to be proud of now. But that's so but cute there was, that you still that have moment, that. At that moment, I had so much to be proud of. And Where's your mom? Nobody was. She was in Florida. At this point, I skipped ahead a little bit. At, when I was 17, my dad showed up in my life and wanted me to come to Tennessee to get to know him. Your real father. Yes. My biological father. And um, his eldest son was in the Navy. His daughter had uh, graduated from high school and she was in college, you know, um, like a technical school kind of thing. So he didn't have any kids in his house at that moment. He was remarried. Um, he got remarried a couple times, but this one seemed to stick. He's still married to her. Right on. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, They've yeah. been going strong for a while now. Right. Um, but I think he was at the point in his life where he knew that I was getting to the point where I was going to be an adult, although he had no idea all this stuff was happening to me. I'll, I'll give him that much, that he didn't have any idea what mm-hmm. was going on. But when he came in and asked me about it, he came in person. He didn't call. He came in person, which that was a big deal for me. Like, hey, he cares enough to come all the way down from Tennessee to say, hey, I want to know you. Right. It wasn't even just a call. So I considered it and I let him know. I said, listen, I, I live with mom, but I spend most of this time, most of my time with my boyfriend. You know, I didn't want to tell him that I was living with him because he's paying child support to my mom. Didn't right. want to get waves in there. So uh, I just was like, listen, I spend most of my time with him. And would you would that be a problem? And he's like, well, no, you know, I don't think so. And I moved up there he, when I was 17. I, I finished my last few months of my senior year there uh, where he lives at in Tennessee. And uh, that's why my scoring boosted them up so much is it was a very, very small town where I had had like 5,000 kids in my high school. This high school had under 100, you know, a very, very small high school. Right, right, right. So um, – Were you just as ostracized there? Um, or there wasn't enough time? There wasn't really enough. I was, I, I was so focused on what I was doing preparing for college that, I mean, there was definitely – at towards the end, there was not any kind of acceptance – Right. I won't say that I left with any friends, um, but you, it wasn't to the class deep- though, and just go like listen to the fucking shit people talk about and whatnot. And you're just like, I wanted you to kill myself. No, oh my god, idea. I wanted to shoot myself sitting in those classes. Just like, oh my god, this is awful. I could definitely have way better conversations with the teachers than I could ever could with students. Right, you know, and that's generally what would happen. I know, like the last semester I had in high in my senior year. I only had a few credits left. I only had like one class I needed to take. So the other part of the day, they I wasn't allowed to go have a job. I wanted to, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> they had a rule that if you're under 18, you can't leave the property. All right. Um, so I would stay in the library all day. And I ended up having a really great relationship with the librarian. So, yeah. So that's how I dealt with being in high school is I gravitated towards any adult I could get near. Right. You were like Darlene, man, and Roseanne. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. She started I, hanging out with the bookstore lady. Yeah. Exa- yeah. I remember that. Yes. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, okay. So you and uh, – so, so we, we move up there. Chase gets his own place. He okay. decides to go too because he hates Florida. He's really not a Florida guy. Right. A lot of bad things in his life when he was younger happened there. So he likes to stay away from that state. Okay. So he, of course, jumped on the bandwagon like, well, yeah, you should know your father and that's fine with me. You know, I'll go and support you there. That's I don't have anything holding me here. Fresh start in Tennessee. Right. Yeah. So um, we all go up there. He has his own place. And my deal with my dad was that I'd live at home 
at his house. But on the weekends, Friday through Sunday, I was going to go stay with Chase. Right. But see, we ran into a problem that my dad, he was in the Navy and retired, but now he is a semi-truck driver. Okay. He runs his own company. And he runs Monday through Friday. So he's not at home Monday through Friday. Okay. So I sat there with either by myself or with his wife. Right. So I didn't even get to see him. And he was getting very frustrated because he was wanting to get to know me that I was wanting to spend all my time with Chase. Right. And I just pointed out to him. I said, listen, I told you that's how it was when I mean, I hate to I mean, I hate to be so upfront about it, but I, I it's what I told you. That that's the deal. If I come up here, that's the situation that I'm in love with this guy. I have a relationship with this guy. But it was hard for him to understand because in his mind, I'm 17. He's raised two kids. He knows what 17-year-olds are like. And he's wanting to fit me into, into, that. into that. And I don't fit. It's just it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It right. just doesn't fit. So within just a few months, I moved out. Like and he, with his blessing, like get out. I don't, Really? Right, yeah. Well, not like throw me out, but like. If you want to leave, I'm happy to let you leave. Yeah, this ain't working out, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, he's not a bad guy at all. I don't have any animosity towards him. It's just we don't really – we're just not close. We're very, very different people. He's from the South, very Christian. Um, I was raised by someone from New Jersey right. who is an ex-Catholic. Right. <laughs> just really didn't see eye to eye on quite a few things. No. So um, – at that point, I moved in with Chase permanently. Like at that moment. In Tennessee. In Tennessee, as I'm graduating from high school, I graduated when I was 17, because I was born in August. Um, way that fell. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Before the cutoff. Yeah. So, um, I was basically with Chase and I've, I've been with him ever since. But I guess my point is, I mean, I, not every, human trafficking victim is going to have a man, specifically a man, coming in and rushing to rescue them. I right. was very lucky in the sense that I had someone that didn't take advantage of the situation and was a very stand-up person. Right. But I think my point here – And you got time and marriage on your side to prove that as well. Exactly. No, we've, but we just had our fifth wedding anniversary. Right. 12 so, years together, five years married. married. Yeah. So um, – and in his defense, he had asked me to marry him – Quite sooner than that, I was the one that kept saying no. Like, oh, I don't know. Well, both my parents had been divorced so many times that I, I felt like marriage should be taken a little bit more seriously. Right. We were already living together and sharing a bank account. So at that point, it's like, well, what does a piece of paper change other than if we decide to leave each other, we have to go through a divorce? Right. You know? So, but it, I think after about seven years, I just woke up one day and I was just like, you know what? Let's f- fuck it. Let's go get married this week. Where'd you do it? Um, we tried to do it at the courthouse, but I had called several times that week and asked, do I need to make an appointment? And they were like, no, just come in with the marriage license. So I show up. We all show up. I take the day off from work. He does too. I We both kind of got dressed up, not in wedding clothes, but nice clothes, right. you know. Um, my mom was there. Our mutual best friend was there um, supporting both of us as our witnesses. And um, <laughs> the security guard tells me, that all the judges, this is the first warm, we were in Nashville at this point. This is the very first warm day of this. It was in March, of March 10th. And it was the very first warm day of the spring. Mm-hmm. He's like, the, the security guard tells me, he says, every single judge is out on the golf course right now. I said, are you kidding me? There's not a single person here that can marry me. He's like, no, mm-hmm. sorry. He's like, well, him, the guy you brought, <laughs> yeah. he'll marry you. <laughs> But the judge is not here. Yeah, but the, legally, no, there yeah. is no one to marry us. And I, of course, was devastated at this point. So uh, we went to McDonald's. <laughs> Great place Will to have a wedding Will you people reception. marry us? 
<laughs> no, I was starving at that point. It was yeah. like two in the afternoon, hadn't eaten all day. I was just like, screw it, we're going to McDonald's. Ed big marriage. <laughs> yes. But then it struck me. We were in Nashville. I said, wait, over by the airport, there is a wedding chapel, one of those Vegas style wedding chapels. Uh-huh. I said, let's go over there. So that's where we went, and it was like $125 to get married. We had the marriage license. Right. And um, actually, the guy that married us, um, Paris Hilton is like – she was like 2005. He had – she had had a um, reality show yeah. where she went out and did all these different jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that married us was on her show. She interviewed him at one point to be the pastor for some wedding. Right. And she like really insulted the guy. <laughs> And he kept bringing it up. And this is the guy. Well, no, 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 no. It happened after the fact. Like a month after we got married, my mom's a reality show um, addict. Right. And she she told me about it. She's One of her like, tamer addictions. Yes. <laughs> She's also addicted to jewelry television, too. Very TV person. Wow. <laughs> Very interesting addictions. But she was uh, she she told me all about this. Like, oh, the guy that married you at that wedding chapel was on Paris Hilton's show and she was really mean to him. <laughs> really? That's so strange. Your mom went to the wedding? Yes, she was there. Yeah, she and very supportive, even though they've definitely had their their differences. He picked her up off the ground. Yeah. He Batmaned her, yeah, man. Yeah, he did. That was the start of their relationship. She got introduced to her future son-in-law by how being they, picked up by him. How do they get along now? Um, They're civil. How is she doing now? She's okay. She um she lives by herself. She's still in Nashville. I've li- I've moved from Nashville back to Florida, kind of go back to my roots a little bit. Um, She stayed because uh, she has a decent job where she has. It's very steady. But, you know... Until she decides to get some help for the thing, not her addictions necessarily, is she still but emotional. Doing what she was doing is she still not in the way enough? that she was because she got very very sick. I won't say that she is completely clean and sober because I don't think that's true. Right. But she's definitely she doesn't act crazy like she used to. Right. She's very she's calmed down a lot How'd in her age. How she get sick from sharing needles? You said? Yeah, she um she contracted hepatitis C. Oh, C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that can if she but she had contracted it. Um, Probably about 15 years before she got sick. Right. What had happened was she had had it the whole time and just never got any treatment. And hep's the kind of thing that it won't kill you. But if you leave it untreated for long enough, it will kill you. Yeah. You know, so um, she had to go on. Take your liver up. Something no, like they um but her liver was severely damaged, right. especially with all the um pain pills because pain narcotics have a lot of, tend to have a lot of Tylenol in them and that stuff's so bad for your liver and especially in large quantities your your liver has a very very hard time processing it. Right. So um and it thins the blood too, which isn't good either. Um but what happens is is when you use for a very very long time and then I add to it uh alcohol abuse add Ugh. to it the hep c right. her liver was destroyed so when i was in college i went i went to tennessee state university on my full scholarship although i would like to note that was a lesson in a uh, in money and politics going to school because i had these rose-colored glasses on like oh, i have a full scholarship to college i'm gonna get a good job when i graduate and it's it's gonna be wonderful it didn't really no. work like that did it? no full scholarships do not cover all the administrative fees the 800 dollars a semester in books that you have to cover there's just there's a litany of fees and i'm gonna tell you i went to the guy who ran my scholarship program in tears saying listen uh I make six dollars because this is before the minimum minimum wage was hiked. Uh, I make six dollars an hour. Right. Um, 
I can't afford $800 in books every year, right. you know every semester. Have to work to get that? Yeah, it's like, can we work something out? Can the school loan me the money and I'll pay it back? And if I don't pay it back by the end of the semester, you know, just don't renew my scholarship. Something along those lines. Because I didn't want to be given a handout, but I just needed them to work with me. Yeah, it's like, look, you can't give me this much and then not meet me the rest of the way. I'm going to tell you the exact quote that I was given by this administrator. He says, well, don't you have a family member you can call? I said, listen, no, my mom's sick. She lives in Florida. I, I help support her on what little I make. Right. So no, I don't have someone I can call to ask for a loan or ask for a handout. That's why I'm coming to you. He says, well, you know what? There's nothing we can do because you're a freshman. We don't give loans to freshmen because freshmen do have a high dropout rate. Uh, and that's understandable. But he said that this, I'll never forget what he said to me. He says, you're just going to have to leave and come back when you find a better job. Uh, excuse me, isn't that what college is for? Yeah. To find like, a better buddy, job that doesn't pay $6 me an hour? Into the real world here? Yeah, it was a kick I don't in the teeth. 800 bucks? I thought I knew about the real world. Mm. That was the real introduction to the real world. Well, that's where. How much people do not care. Yeah, that's the thing. I was going to say that the, you, you kind of went through the victimization period with everyone looking this way or that, not really giving a shit. And I thought I was going to pull myself out. I thought college was my route. And no, 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 but it worked out because like, it's about bettering yourself. You leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to work for you. <laughs> but actually it worked out because immediately following this, my mom ended up in a homeless shelter. My uncle called me. I didn't have any idea what had happened, but somehow I'm not going to go into how, but she ended up in a homeless shelter. Um, and she was very, very sick at this point. The hepatitis was uh, severely impacting her health. So my uncle calls me. He says, Jamie, we got to do something. I said, okay. So I talked to Chase and I was torn because at this point I'm like 19 years old. And I'm just like, wait, this lady is the one that abused me my whole life. Why should I help her? Yeah, fuck her. I mean, that's the, I mean, I'm a very kind and caring person, but I do have my limits. Yeah. And you, her moving in with me was definitely one of them. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. So it was a situation where, um, Chase kind of talked. Hello? Wait, you hearing that? Yeah, I'm hearing that. There's somebody up there. It's the answering machine, I bet. No, there was somebody knocking on the door. Hello? Hello? Yeah, Janet. Hello? Hey, man, we're recording back here. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to keep it down. Thank you, sir. How are you, Mike? Very good. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing just fine. Um, school system. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my mom got sick. Yep. So, um, I I ended up. So your mom is in. Why she? Why is your mom in a homeless shelter? Well, it was just a situation where she was living with her boyfriend at the time, and um, he suddenly passed away, and uh, he didn't have any children or anything like that. So his home went to his parents. It, he owned his home outright. Uh-huh. Um, so it was a situation where they wanted to get rid of the house and they got this lady living in her house. She's completely drugged out. Right. You know, obviously their first inclination was just to get her out, right. you know, and she didn't have any legal recourse. So she had nowhere to go and she was so sick. She couldn't go to work. So um, I made the decision to, to go 
based on something Chase had encouraged me to do. I was actually kind of against the idea, but Chase was like, listen, if she dies, can you live with the guilt of not helping her? Yeah. And I'm like, when I looked at it that from that perspective, like, shit. So I had to get, I'm her only daughter, man. I'm the only, my uncle could take back care there of her. And took care of her? Well, I went to Florida, I flew down to Florida and I drove her vehicle back. She did still have a car. So I drove her vehicle back with her as the passenger. We drove from South Florida to, to Nashville and it's about a 10 hour drive and 10, 11 hours. And the whole time she is in the passenger seat looking like she is about to die. Like uh-huh. that sick. Right. You know, so I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. So I get her back to Tennessee and thank God. Tennessee has a healthcare program run by the state, or at least they used to. I'm not sure anymore. Um, it's called 10 care. It's for people who cannot afford healthcare. And when I say it's a healthcare program, I mean like in the sense that it's not just like a walk-in clinic. It's like it's full-scale healthcare. Okay. And, um, once she became a resident of Nashville, I guess it takes like six months or a year, something along those lines, I was able to apply for benefits from her and they put her through a few years of liver, uh, going to liver specialists and, uh, she went on what's called interferon, which is, uh, kind of similar to chemotherapy, except you take it at home uh-huh. and you got to shoot yourself with it, like with a needle. And of course, at this point, she's so fearful of needles, like even to this day, because she was a needle addict. Right. The idea of a needle going in her skin just freaks her out now. So, um, she had to go through that and she went through her own personal health for, she lived with us for about four years. And it was hellish for her and it was hellish for us because we lived in a very, we lived in like an 800 square foot apartment. And I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of days where I went to work where I would get a call from her. Chase did this. And then an hour later, I get an email from him from work. Your mother is like, and it got <laughs> to the point where I was like, you both need to just work it out. Right. Stop putting me in the middle because I'm never involved in this stuff other than you try to drag me into it and I can't handle it. Right. You know, well, I mean, I told them both. I was like, I love you. I love you. Different kinds of love, but I love you both. So I'm not choosing. I'm not divorcing my husband and I'm not going to throw my mother out on the street. So there. Sorry. I would have thrown. I know. And there was, there's, uh, man, I'll be honest. There was a big part of me that Did really she have wanted a bedroom? to. Yes. With the door that closed? Yes. <laughs> You are that way I paid for for four years. Fucking nicer than the only benefit friend. she gave me is that she um she did a, a qualify for like eighty dollars a month in food stamps that right. she let me buy family groceries with, which because I have an extra mouth to feed, it was very Fair beneficial. Right, right, you know, right. but other than that, she didn't pay any bills for four years. I paid them all. Chase and I paid them all. So I even bought her a car when she got better. I, I mean, it was a cheap car. But I still bought her a car because I said, well, how are you supposed to go get a job if you don't have a car? So I went out and bought her a car. Stop being so damn nice. <sighs> but think about how it's coming back to me now. In what way? Well, like in like a karmic sense. Like I put all this good stuff out there my whole life. Right. And got shit. And now look at where I'm sitting. And what is the, And where are you sitting? Let's get into the Wayne Foundation of it all. I'm sitting in a position where i know i have the tools and abilities to possibly help other people beautiful you know i i i have the qualifications that's needed not only do i have um this personal experience with this trauma and what these victims go through but additionally i have since become kind of a financial whiz right so to have that on top of it and to have this great speaking ability, it seems, it seemed to me when you made the offer, it, it, it of course struck me 
to start a charity. But then when I sat and thought about it and definitely sat down and talked to Chase about it, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, this is the, the part of the puzzle that was missing. This brings it all together and makes it so that you can take all your skills and put it out there to help other people. Right. And who can, who can ask for more in this life than to, to vote their life to making other people's lives better. Specifically people I understand that I've, cause I've been in their shoes. You just you know? want to, you, yeah, you want to basically help, help those who are just like you, man. Like exactly. reach back and kind of give the helping hand to a, a girl or boy, but let's be honest, mostly girls. It was probably because, um, in your situation, you know, well, now. the only reason that we're, with, that we're focusing on girls, uh, number one is because I'm a girl. Uh, number two, those are the predominant people that get pulled into the sex trafficking, not by any means the only ones. Right. Boys are definitely brought into this. Um, but because that's what I'm, I understand. And also because if we, our point, our goal is, is to build a rehabilitation facility, a safe house, if you will. And if we do that, it, it can't be for both sexes. That wouldn't be morally right. It wouldn't, we, we wouldn't want to expose those people together. You would need to have two separate facilities. And at this point, it's going to be a large job just to have one facility. Yeah, let so, and hers. Now, let's say 10 years down the road, Wayne Foundation is a multi-million dollar nonprofit. Yeah. Of course we will be helping boys. Of right. course we'll be helping the people, anybody who needs help. But right now we got to take it baby steps. We're a, a, a new startup nonprofit right now. We, we don't have, we don't even have the funds to pay me yet. Yeah. So we are trying to get to that point where we are, we have a foundation, if you will. That's what the accounting side of me would say. We need to have a solid foundation. Right. And the way that we need a solid foundation is by donations. Yes. Now I've been getting a lot of questions on Twitter. What are you doing with the money? Yeah. What we want to know where our money's going. I'm going to tell you where the money's going. The money is going to a bank account. That I am the only one that has access to it. And it is sitting there. The it's, fuck out of here. I was told it was all going to pussy and weed. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish I was paying myself $100,000 a year. Uh, but that's just not the case. So the it case goes into is, a bank account and sits there? Yeah, because well, w- the first thing we have to do, very first thing, even before I start getting paid, is we have to buy real estate for the location. Right. Okay. So, and of course, that's going to take a lot of time and effort. And I'm, I'm definitely going to say if there's anybody out there that wants to donate real estate to us, we will willingly take it. Yeah, no we doubt. will be happy to, but we're going to, we're, most people are not that generous, uh, cause we would need a very large facility, very large because that has to do with security. We'll get more into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for right now, all we can do is wait until we have enough money to purchase a facility. So for right now, the money that we're collecting, it's all going towards that. But until we get a certain amount, we can't, we can't purchase anything. Right. You know, I think that maybe if we were to actually outright purchase a property, I would say like a half a million dollars would be a good, a reasonable estimation of property costs. Cause like I said, we will need a very large facility. One of the things that I, I, I network with a lot of human trafficking advocates, yes. other as, um, even one that is, uh, a former victim like I am. Her name's Amira. I follow her on Twitter and you should follow her too. Not yeah. you, the Others. audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The audience. Um, she's, she's a great girl to talk to. But, um, one of the things that we've definitely networked about is why these victims do not want to go into a group home, group home setting. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, for me, I've been I've been in uh, two different shelters in my life. Chi- um, for 
either homeless or um, runaway youth kind of shelters uh, directed towards kids. Mm -hmm. But it's always like in a dormitory style. You're very much in other people's business and we have to accept that human trafficking victims are going to have certain needs. And right now, the facilities that are running currently by other organizations, they're still doing a great job, but they don't have they, – they're not trying to focus on giving five-star treatment. What they're trying to do is help as many people as possible. Right. What I want to do is I want to kind of flip that around. I want to just help be able – just to begin with – try to help a few people mm. but if we give them five star uh, rehabilitation so to speak mental health physical health education how i was talking about education earlier that you can't try to conform somebody you have to work with them and play to their abilities these kids are not going to be interested in getting their geds right now so we have to give them the tools but the big thing is is that we're our facility is going to be there to walk beside them the same way that Chase walked besides me. Right. You, you can't have somebody saying you're going to do this. You, this is how you should, this is what you should do with your life. You just need someone to stand there and say, Hey, this is what we think, but what do you want to do? Right. How do you want to work this? Um, one of the reasons why the facility needs to be so large is I believe that each person should be given their own bedroom. Mm -hmm. It's a, it should be built in a Gee, home like I wonder setting. why. I wonder why yeah. you have a strong belief in everybody getting their own bedroom. I think everyone should door. get their own bedroom. No doubt. That's the way it should be. Everyone should get their own bed. They should be able to have the room the way they want to have it. It should represent the home life that they most likely did not have before. We don't, you don't have to be related to be a family. Right. You know, and I think that we could, with the help of do um, professionals like doctors, um, uh, social workers, if we get those kind of people involved all building this plan, once we have a facility, I think that we could structure a program that might seriously turn out women that are going to go on to be like me. Right. You know, I just... I, there, it's going to take so much work. It's going to take so much planning. Well, you're talking about somebody uh, – you're talking about uh, you almost have to deprogram somebody and the yeah. time that it takes for them to deprogram. It's not enough to be like, we've rescued you from harm's way. Now here, sit in this home and fucking work shit out. Right. Like you're no. out of danger now. You've had your happy ending. It's like, no. that. No. you get. There's so many things that are going to work against them that they're going to have to have help with, but they're going to need to – not be forced into that help either because they're kids, they're teenagers. So no teenager wants to be forced to do anything, whether they want to be traumatized or not, you know? So it just, it's a situation where we've got to make sure that we are playing to what they need, right. not what we need to do, you know? So if it takes extra money to make sure that they have a bedroom for themselves, we're going to pay for it. Okay. We're going to make sure they have it. If it takes extra money, like if we can't find doctors that'll donate their time, we're going to make sure that we pay for their time if they won't donate it. You know, it's a situation where I'm not going to – me running the charity, being the president of the charity um, and the founder, I'm not going to accept less than the best for these kids. So, But you have to understand by having those standards, this is going to take a long time. Mm. But I'm never going to waver from that standard. I promise you that as the founder of this charity, that standard will always be stuck by that and transparency – I believe as an, someone who works in accounting that we should be accountable for all the money that we take in Agreed. and anybody who wants to be able to see what we're doing, 
how we're spending the money, they should have access to that information. Totally. So one of the things that Ming is working on and I am working on as far as getting the site together is uh, once the money really starts to roll in, like specifically from speaking events and things like that, we will clearly show what we have brought in on the website and we will clearly show anytime we spend, like we go out and buy property, right. we will clearly show this is where the money went. Right. And that, that I mean, all, tr- all nonprofits are expected to be like that with like the IRS and things like that. But you guys are the ones that are paying for everything. It's your money that's going to these kids. So the way I look at it, you should see where your money's going. Agreed. The only reason it's not up there right now is because it's not going anywhere. It's right. not, we're not, we've raised, I'd say just under $20,000 so far, but that's just a drop in the bucket when you yeah. think about my big ideas. Very. <laughs> I have very big plans. Well, you think about, like, let's say she's right and she could find a space for half a million dollars. The down on that alone is, Fifty thousand, maybe, maybe. Exactly. More. Now we would probably, and I, honestly, I would, I, I would like to be able to purchase property outright so that we don't have to worry about interest and things like that. But right. it all, it all depends. There's so many different variables that you know, like somebody could just write me an email after this podcast airs and say, "Hey, I got a huge house I want to give you." I mean, it's a tax write-off to anybody who want to. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Look at you plenty angles. It's true. You're ready to run a charity. And you can help kids. You'll be considered a saint. We'll put you on if you don't if somebody donates property to us, we're so putting you on our site. Probably name the place after him. Yeah, uh yeah, that's a quite a big possibility. So think about it. Yeah, think it's good about to it. put it out there. Just put it out in the ether. <laughs> See what happens next. So that's basically I would say that's my my good story is I ended up with a person and my mom moved out. It's just me and him now. We don't have any children. Right. Um but Are you gonna have kids? I I don't know. Like I've been told by a lot of people that I would make a great mom because I'm everybody's mom. Yeah. I double as Chase's mom. I, I'm kinda I I'm his wife and his mom. Right. Like I was sending him tweets yesterday morning about getting his lunch together <laughs> from the airport. Yeah. So I do. I, I understand that that's my nature. I, I try to take care of everybody I care about. Right. So um, I've I definitely would like to have kids, but we gotta wait for the I, I just the right moment. We're definitely with the economy the way it is. I'm I'm not in the financial position that I was when I was taking care of my mother. I was in a fairly good financial position at that point. Now, of course, the whole world, the whole United States specifically has been hit. I was one of those people that was hit too. Mm. You know, so at some point, yeah, at the moment, kids are probably not in the framework. But I think the big thing is, is whether we have kids or not, it doesn't really matter. I mean, we both want kids, but if we don't have kids, we got each other. You're also going to have a house full of kids if we're lucky. Exactly. Exactly. Those are the real kids I should be taking care of. On the facts of life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, not a scatterbrain, but always kind of giving them a life lesson and whatnot, keeping the Tooties and the Natalies of this world in line. We got to keep going. We have to keep persevering. We have to keep, as you said so many times now, if you walk through hell, you got to keep going. Yeah. That's what we need to get out there to to these kids. It's like, hey, you're not worthless. Yeah. We don't think you're worthless. We think you have a lot of potential. Yeah, and also it's like you're not going to be the side note or fucking uh, character turn in some other but it's someone else's story. Like, be the star of your own show, man. Give them a chance to kind of be put front and center because you're talking about people that are generally – not even thought of in the same kind of human terms that everyone thinks of other people because they're willing to do heinous fucking things exactly. to these people for profit, for pleasure, you know, animals. Fucking we need animals. to teach them that they are 
human beings and that they have worth. Right. Because that was one of my biggest problems, uh, even to this day, is is constantly having an issue with my own self-worth that I'm not good enough for things that I'll, I'll give the world to somebody else to give the shirt off my back to somebody else. Right. But as far as taking care of me, I struggle with it quite a bit. Like it's just, I, I don't have enough self-esteem to care about taking care of me. Yeah. But now you have to, because you got to take care of yourself so you can take care of all these other exactly. people. But see that it, it all puts it on my plate then. Then I have to, I have to take responsibility for myself in order to take responsibility for other people. But it still doesn't mean I don't struggle with it. Mm. You know, I struggle with it quite a bit that I just, I, I, at times I really let people kind of walk all over me. Mm. So, and I, and luckily I have chased their, no, you leave my wife alone. Right, right, right. <laughs> Don't do that. You know, there's Once definitely again, been to times. Oh yeah, there's definitely been times where he was just like, "Hey, you know, being my protector, kind of." Because I am, uh, I'm definitely the kind of person that I definitely fold right. <laughs> when it comes to any kind of uh, an- uh, animosity. It's like, no, no, yeah, let's yeah. not do that. Yeah, so. I'd rather not. I'd rather everything be well. You're the child of a drug addict, so of course you're always like, even keel, even keel. Let's keep everything even keel. My uh, doctor fight once described me as someone that's incredibly strong, but um, also has this childlike innocence or naivete so to speak because i'm just so i put myself so much out there for people right that it it does kind of appear at times that i can be very um i don't know sensitive almost and very frail and fragile but then i have this whole background where i'm such a strong person it's so many different facets of my personality all the terms that one could apply to you frail or you know would, yeah would it doesn't not, seem like that but what, i mean in you're my fighter, everyday man it, you're not only a fighter you're a survivor you're not only a survivor you're a, a, a winner i mean I, I we should take back that word it mm-hmm. used to be such a good word how does one um get get you money get the wayne foundation money well, where do they send it where where how do they get there's several different ways okay we have a new website that we just launched although there's not a whole lot to it right now okay we'll fix that soon okay uh, it is www.the-waynefoundation.org you can also hit us up on our old view askew site that's still there viewaskew.com slash the Wayne Foundation. Uh, we take ex- we accept payments through PayPal. If you hit up our website, uh, if you would rather write a check, I have had several requests not to pay through PayPal, but to mail in a payment. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, with people that have like their companies will match uh, the payment. Like if they donate a hundred dollars, their their company they work for will donate a hundred dollars, but they can't do that through PayPal. So you hit us up on our website. It'll have a contact information. It will have our mailing address. Uh-huh. If you want to send in a check, I can also just um, put, staple a request to the check asking if you want a receipt back from the Wayne Foundation for your tax records. Happy to do it. Just make sure to ask for it because I don't do it for just random payments. Mm. Um, or you can use your check. That works just as well, too. Um your copy of your check. But uh, you can hit us up on PayPal. That's on the website. We also are doing a thing with um, missionfish.org. They've uh, joined up with eBay, uh, eBay charities. And you can, if you don't have cash to give us, right. you can get rid of your old stuff by auction. And the money, and any or all of the money can go to Wayne Foundation. You can choose 10%. You can choose 100%. You just do it just, it's just like a regular eBay sale. It's just Wayne Foundation gets the back half. 
That's nice. Yeah. So if you don't have cash and it's you got a mission, garage, mission fish. Yeah, it's the 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 organization's called missionfish.org, but uh, they work with eBay and they it, the site's actually on eBay, and I'll I'll make sure to have that on the website as well if anybody wants to hit that up. Um, but basically, anybody who wants to throw up anything, anything, if you want to sell it, you got a garage full of stuff, you got collectibles you want to get rid of, you need to make some money and want to donate even 10% mm. to us, you still get to do the auction. And think about it. If you put your auction up there, there's more of a chance people are going to see it than just regularly posting it on eBay because the Wayne Foundation is promoting it. Very, very true. So if you got some stuff you want to get man, rid of. Thinking like a marketer, man. Thinking on a bunch of different levels. I'll tell you one thing I know we're going to do on the – you know, we launched the the uh, sir on May 9th. Uh, it's both this morning uh, with this morning is it this morning with Jen and Kev, and uh, Jay and Silent Bob get jobs. And I don't know which one. Well, this is probably Jen's show, no doubt. We're gonna do every day. I I am a hoarder. I hold everything, um, and I can't let shit go. So I have like uh, bunches of pairs of old sneakers. You know, I wear them until they stink because I don't wear socks, and then I just can't throw them out because it feels like such a waste. Um, and I know if I just throw a signature on them, somebody mm-hmm. will buy them. Oh, it. somebody will buy them. So what I'm going to do is every day that we broadcast, we're going to do like, you know, a, a Wayne Foundation the, the item of the day. That's great. Which will be like, you know, my clerk sneakers that I wore, you know, the, the, the ones, the Etnies clerk sneakers, the first pair that I wore, and I'll tag them. They reek like fucking hell. But you know, it's a kind of it's a cool thing. Have to right, keep Chase off of there. Out. He might start. He might start uh, bidding <laughs> on the sneakers alone. Yeah, go ahead. Well, if you're talking sneakers, he might go for he that. He needs to <laughs> take them to a fucking bowling alley and have them sprayed because they <laughs> reek like hell. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of uh, fun and creative ways that you could do uh, that. You could get involved and you can uh, find to uh, to donate money. Just donate you know and if it's not this week uh, sooner or later yeah uh, we don't need it right out. now i mean if you want if you're in a tight financial spot right now next month you're not send us 10 bucks yeah. you know we don't need it i mean we want it this minute but if you can't pay it this minute we understand <laughs> and this chick's very understanding i'm very as you've understanding heard. she's pretty damn patient man she's got the patience of a little saint um but yeah send us that loot or or do stuff like uh gavin on the viewskew website is doing this thing where I think if you him and like three two other guys I think what is it if they're you, getting what it is if we can raise ten thousand dollars by May thirteenth uh-huh. uh, it's just about two weeks away these three guys Gavin included will get the Wayne Foundation logo tattooed on their body permanently whoa and I did not come up with this idea. Gavin came up with this idea and a couple other people joined in and said, hey, we want to do it too. So not only are you getting one guy getting a tattoo, getting three guys getting Wayne Foundation tattoos. That's how dedicated they are to this charity and seeing it successful. What about you? Are you going to get one? Uh, probably not this time around. <laughs> Listen to you. That's how dedicated they are. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, not so much. Sorry. I'm not. Look, I don't feel you need a tattoo to run an organization. No, I mean, I'll tell you this. It, that's not to say that the tattoo won't eventually come, but we're going to have to wait, raise way more than 10 grand for me to get a tattoo. For you to get tatted up. Yeah. Now, but if we did do that, if I did get the tattoo, I would definitely do it publicly. Really? Yes. If we could raise some money, I would get a tattoo publicly. What if it hurt? What if it hurt? Trust me. As I've, a guy got, who's ta- I've got tattoos. tattoos. I've got two hurts. tattoos. It does hurt. You don't want to expose yourself like that. Yeah, You're really it's breaking okay. down crying. People are like, I thought she was supposed if to be strong. Raise, if Look at her. Raise. She cries at a tattoo needle. <laughs> what a little baby. 
<laughs> if it raised money for Wayne Foundation, I'll, I, I will do almost anything. That's what's almost. beautiful about you. Um, well, I would say based on our, all of our discussions uh, here, you have done almost everything there is to do in this life. And you came out uh, all the better for it, man, and survived what a lot of other people would be. Crushed by in the moment, crushed by afterwards, um, or, or still be crushed by on, on a regular basis every day. Um, you did it, man. You, you, uh, I mean, like, as we said with the charity, we'll never be able to hang a sign that says mission accomplished, but you so far, man, I mean, maybe you can't personally hang a mission accomplished sign for yourself until you're all done with this life, but I'll hang one for you. Well done. Mission fucking accomplished. You got out. Thank you. And, and more importantly, you didn't just survive. You kept going. And you kind of used everything, and now you're using everything to a good cause. You're putting it all together for something that means something to you, you're passionate about. And what's even cooler is it's noble. It's not some as bullshit like, I'm going to start a podcast. It's like you're like literally trying to help human beings and not like I help people by making them laugh. You're like, that's not good enough for me. I'm going to help them by building a house and giving everyone a room with a door that can close. And that's huge man that's that that is mission accomplished that's uh jamie does finally have her own room i do and i share it with the person that loves me very much married me made an honest woman out of me and doesn't judge me for anything that i've ever had happen in my life he he doesn't there's no there's no judgment there as i just said um he's he's one of those stand-up call tall kind of guys like you are honestly again i i can't I can't say enough about what a good person Don't. you are. Don't. We're not talking but about me. No, you, you, you. I know, and but ch- it's the back truth. To, go back to your man. You were just, you were going to get laid it's off this podcast. Were you were talking I'm so nice about him. Anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Man. I met that dude. He's way into you. Oh, um, God, yes. He, he, he very <laughs> there much. are two women in his mind that exist on this planet. Right. Me and his mother. <laughs> as far as he's concerned, there are no other women. They, they just don't exist. Yeah. So I, who that's could ask for a better husband than that? to live by very much. Who could ask for a better husband? Fucking true. Nobody could. So, Uh, uh, again, uh, you can hit us up because Wayne Foundation is a team effort. There, I can do all the work in the world, 100 hours a week, but I still can't do it without everybody in our audience, without you, Kevin, being our marketing source. Yeah. You know, uh, this is going to Ming helping me with the website. I'm the I'm the muscle. I go out there, slap people around. Give us your money. Exactly. I need somebody because I'm not the slap around kind of girl. Not in that sense. You like to top from the bottom. You're the kind of like, oh, no, it's okay. Give it when you have it. And then you're like, you go get some fucking money. (laughs) I'm like, all right, all right. Get to work. Get to work. (laughs) But it's a team effort. And we're not going to be able to do it without the hard-earned money of, of literally thousands and thousands of people. So I want to thank everybody out there who's already given us so much of their money. Like I said, $20,000. That's not, that's not a small amount of money to raise in like what a month, six weeks that yeah. we've been since the last pod. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a true testimony to our audience. Was it? And, and exactly. As, as saying, and they need a big thank them. you. And I wish I could give all y'all a big hug. And I encourage anybody who meets me, if you want to give me a big hug, go for it. I'm a hug kind of person. You be careful though. You crush this girl. She's tiny as hell. She's slight. <laughs> Slight like Jack Skellington. Yes, I'm yeah. very I'm a diminutive kind of. Person. Maybe Sally. We'll go more for Sally. Somebody once referred to it as being uh, vertically challenged. 
Yeah, it's not so. Yeah, there's that. You don't have the height thing working for you either, but you're so tiny. Yes, that's the built very small. Be very, very careful. Be careful, but I do encourage that. It's 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 fine if you want to come up and say hey to me. If you ever see me at one of Kevin's events or wherever, see me speaking at my own events, please come up. And I've been getting a lot of stories from people about their own abuse, where they were like, "I've never told anybody this, but your podcast made me want to tell somebody." Send me your stories. I read every single, every email that comes into my, my email is jamie at the dash, the dash waynefoundation.org. Just like our website, just put jamie in front of it mm-hmm. at, um, I read every email that comes to me very thoroughly. And some of the stories I've read just have, have brought me to tears, just touched my heart. So I encourage you, if you have that story, you can share it with me and I'll respond to you. It's fine. I'm totally a giving person. I give back to everybody. If even if I can't, uh, I, I've definitely been contacted by certain girls that are looking for help now and that broke my heart. Cause you don't oh, have my the God. means to do it. Yeah. Like one girl, she's, she's in a homeless shelter, you know, and she just, she wants to get out and she wants to get the tools she needs to get educated and, these are the people we want to help, but right. unfortunately, I'm not in the ability to help them right now. So we got to get this going. We got we can't be slow about it because there's already people saying, "Hey, I want to be first on the list." Right, right. <laughs> They're looking for a room and a place. That I don't even have. have a building yet. <laughs> so yeah, any uh, any kind of donations we're looking for right now. We're not looking for stuff. I've been contacted by a lot of people looking to give us stuff. Just recently, um, a big mattress firm offered to donate beds to us. Oh, that's awesome. Um, we will need that and we will post on our website when we're ready for that. But first we gotta buy the facility. We gotta have somewhere to put the stuff first. I trust me, my house won't fit. Right. Won't fit in my garage. And I and that. I honestly just don't want you there at my house. Yeah. So we gotta find someplace else for everybody yeah, to chill we, out. As much as I would like to take in every person that writes me and right now, I yeah. can't. I wish I could. My hands are tied at the we'll moment. We'll get there. We'll but get we'll there. get there. It'll be it, it'll definitely be slow, but it'll be soon. You'll definitely hear a lot of updates on Twitter via me, via Kevin. Uh and what's your Twitter address? My Twitter is at Jamie Walton, real simple. Jamie Walton, Walton, just like the old show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, your same. life was fucking. If if there was any TV family that your existence is very dissimilar from, it's a goddamn Waltons, man. See, I thought so, you were going to say like, if any show I identify with is Punky Brewster. No, no. no you were uh, kind of like Punky Brewster, man. Little girl <laughs> bombing around, left to her own devices, hanging out with a dog. You didn't have a dog though. I did have a dog. Did you? Like Brandon? I, I did have a dog when I was, when I was for my 15th birthday, right after I, I broke up with Frank. My mom did. My mom never bought birthday presents for me. She would always give me money and then the next day ask me back for the money. She needed it for something else. <laughs> We're trying to go out on a good note, Jamie. No, you keep bringing good, it right back into hell. This is a good story. This is a really quick good story. On my 15th birthday, she said to me, she says, you need to have a dog. You need something you can take care of. And I had that dog until last year. Actually, I think you, you and I were speaking when that dog passed away. I had him for um about 11 years wow and uh he was the best dog in the world so yes i i I've, and we have a very we have a great dog now she's like our kid like our pseudo kid right um so yeah uh the, i did have a dog growing up i, I can i can relate to punky so there is, in there that is a way. bit of a punkiness to you like yes. yeah dude punky power that's what fucking saved me in the day punky <laughs> fucking power no i pulled myself up on my own goddamn bootstraps and told this world fuck off you never told the world fuck off I embraced the world because I I recognize that although there's a lot of evils and nastiness in the world, yes, 
there are some individuals that are not like that. And if you say, if you tell the world just to go fuck itself, then you tell those good people to go fuck itself too, themselves as well. So that's not really fair. Like someone like Chase or someone like you, Ming, uh, all the people in your organization, they've embraced me with open arms. Those kind of people, I can't tell those people to go fuck themselves. You're like Morgan Freeman at the end of Seven, man. You're like, the world's a beautiful place. What fighting for? Well, that's the thing is if we all stop fighting and mm. we all say, fuck the world, think about how much worse it's going to get. So unless somebody stands up and says, hey, you know, let, let's look at the good part. Let's focus on the positive. Then it brings people together. Like in this sense, look at what we've accomplished just by recording a podcast. Mm. And it didn't take it hardly any effort from either of us to record a podcast. True, true. We had so many people just standing up like, yes, I want to help. I want to be part. And it, it, it really just blew me away. Mm-hmm. The passion people had. So by doing this, we're getting all those good people together, you know, and then they can network with each other and then they can say, hey, I'm not the only person sensitive out there. I'm not the only person that's fighting for the right. There's other people out there, too. Big so, old punky power positive we're pyramid. We're a team. Yeah. We are you. the Wayne Foundation team. Yeah. It's not just me. It's me a lot. But there's – well, I'm, I'm wearing a Let's lot of different hats. Let's say that you're the linchpin. Let's be honest and say I'm running that, yeah. the show. Yes. But for the most part, honestly, there's a lot of things I can't do. The marketing side for you, the website side for me. You know, there's just – there's a lot of little things that I couldn't accomplish on my own. Right. Jeff, Jeff, the, the guy who does the tour. Booking Jeff Hines. I could never do his job. I Like I actually – the reason I got hooked up with him is because I started getting requests for speaking to my own email and I, I had – wrote to somebody, I don't know what to respond with. Am I supposed to tell them I charge money? Am I supposed to do it for free? How does this work? Right. You know, so, and, but it was definitely some, an idea that interests me. So I got hooked up with Jeff and he did a lot. He did like three weeks worth of research because he works with entertainers, mm-hmm. not really nonprofit people. Right. He did all kinds of research and he came back to me like, oh yeah, we can make this work. We can raise some serious money. Nice. Yeah. So, and I, that was just this week. So Everybody's that was great. Pulling together, man. Yeah. So it's all a big team effort and all of it comes down to is people, it, what it boils down to is people wanting to help other people. It's not just me. There's a lot of people. It's just not everybody has the reasons that I have. But there doesn't mean that they don't have their own reasons. So Morgan Freeman was right. The world is a beautiful place worth fighting for. He is absolutely right. To be fair, he didn't say it. Just his character did. Well, he said it. Andrew Kevin Walker was right. The guy that wrote Seven. God, the most profound truth in our life comes from our lives comes from the guy that wrote Seven. (laughs) Closing line from Seven. Yes. Uh, I'm glad we met. I'm glad that you made it out, and I'm glad. uh, I'm, I'm ecstatic about all the people whose lives you're going to touch uh, through the Wayne Foundation and just in general. Uh, wait till they get to know you. Oh, she's just a fucking pistol, this one. Uh, as you can tell, you made it, Punky. Yeah. Punky Power got you through I the got other a side. Bed. Yeah, you got a bed and I a door that fucking closed and shit. It's got a lock on it, too. Yeah, and when, you, when you're behind that door, grown up. Yep. Got no more kid, no me. more kid in the fucking living room and shit. You, you're, yeah, I'm not being abused anymore. I'm very much a willing participant now. All right, man. Uh, go out and do some damn good. We will, and you'll hear. From no, us not soon. you. I was talking to the audience. Oh. You've done enough. <laughs> you, you've you've done enough good for a lifetime. But I see that you're still willing to do more. So, uh, all right, yeah, you to go do some good too.